This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. to the podcast under the stairs this is Bazoween 2021 episode number two i'm your host duncan mcleish welcome to the show that's right we are back a few days after the previous episode to give you the second installment which will be landing every monday now for the rest of the month joining me as the name of the episode suggests is the man the myth the legend, the Baz. Hola, my sexy Bazoine bitches. Smorgasbord. <laughs> Wait one second. Are you hinting at a movie we're covering? I hope so. I'm not sure. It's one of only two... Literally came up with that about 15 seconds ago. Interestingly enough, it's one of only two Swedish ones that are actually in the English dictionary. So nice. What's the other one? Don't know. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I, I Are you know, making up facts on the hoof again, no, Donkey Boy? I, I know the fact that it's one of two, but I don't know what the other one is. Um, and by the end of this episode, I still won't, because that requires me Googling, and I'll, I'll wait and see how well your review's going, and then I, I might disappear yeah, and come uh, back with a fact. How, how much you've got to Google to check my facts? <laughs> <laughs> if we keep that below a certain level, you might have time to Google other facts. Well, we're, we are uh, we are officially back uh, just a couple of days after doing a little bit of sleep tight and Final Destination action. Oh, he was a manky Spanish monkey, wasn't he? <laughs> I did not know where you were going with that. Uh, Honestly. Um, and we're, we're bringing a bit of high class here on this one. Uh, your first movie is arguably one of the most important movies of the 2000s and onwards. So, um, no pressure, Baz. So they keep telling me. Oh, don't even joke. Don't even joke about it. Don't even joke about it. It is. We all know it is. We're doing Let the Right One In as the, the, the kind of first movie review. And then, of course, continuing our jaunt through the Final Destination series we'll be talking about that final destination to movie 
Baz has been mere days in the listeners' eyes since we last recorded. It's been we're recording these well in advance. They already know that. This yes. Is, this time we we actually mean it, as in this is September. So yeah. There we go. I'm practically sipping a pina colada on the beach. I'm not. I'm drinking the dirty Van Rouge in my conservatory like I do every other time we record. He does. He does. Don't that? He's he's wearing a, a Hellcat hoodie as well. Always ripping my man Liam. Yeah, we do. But uh, no, I'm firmly ensconced in Upper Falkirk because you know the Baz don't like those foreign locales. <laughs> it's the heat, isn't it? It's the heat. And the foreigners. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm not really wildly racist. He, he's only kidding. He's only kidding. Um, I, I mean, because this has been in short proximity for the listeners... Uh, we, we're not going to spend too much in the intro here. It's probably worth saying because in real time this has been a, a little bit in between. Have you uh, have you been partaking of any horror movies in the interim that is worth noting? Um, well, no, not necessarily movies, but do you know what I have been watching? What uh, I finally once again, Baz, right at the forefront of the cutting edge of televisual horror entertainment. I have finally watched. The Haunting on Hill House. Oh, what did you think? Or The Haunting of Hill House, rather, sorry, on the old Netflix. Yeah. What would you make of it? Um, I am enjoying it. I'm, I'm, how many episodes? I've either watched three or four. Oh, you're about the halfway six. mark. Yeah, yeah, I think maybe just over the halfway mark. Um, it's a very good show. Um, I do not get the whole, it's the first truly terrifying television show, because it's not. No. It's a very good show, and it's quite an interesting take on the the whole haunted house type scenario. Mm-hmm. You know, they do something about new parts of it, um, and it, it's kind of hard to jazz that particular genre up to any great extent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think they do that quite well. I think the casting's very good. Uh, everybody performs very well in it. Um, but it's not actually the episode that I have just finished before recording was the first bit that gave me an actual chill at one point. One of the visuals really got me. Yeah, I think that might be the episode that everyone ended up talking about. Remember way back in the day when Scott and Liam were watching it and they talked about there was one particular scene, I think it's episode three or four, where there's a, a specific scare that works. Uh-huh. And what you, I mean, I, I, like, I like ghost movies. Ghost movies tend not to get me if I'm honest, mm-hmm. um, but it's Mike Flanagan, uh, who we love. Yes. The guy, very, very, very good at what he does. Um, like, arguably adapting one of the most adapted kind of source material books um, and putting his own spin on it. And I, I like I like the jumps in between time, which he kind of mm-hmm. already, to be fair, he'd already done that in Oculus, but I kind of enjoy his take on it and it does have it has a proper kind of gothic horror feel about it which I do enjoy because you just don't get many, yeah, yeah. many movies like that anymore uh, I'm with you the scariest fucking TV show I'm sure it is I'm sure it is to people that don't watch horror aye <laughs> possibly very possibly Um I mean, I certainly remember being far more creeped out with certain series of American horror show yep. uh, you know in the early episodes of the series where they're actually trying to scare you before they lose their shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah before they, they, they have an issue with the end, is that what you're saying? Yeah, so that was The Hunting of Hill House. Um, the other thing I, I've been 
I think I'm going to relaunch the Baz's however many days of Halloween this year. Um, as we're rapidly approaching October. Mm-hmm. Um, so anybody that tuned into me last year, um, I can't commit to the 31 days. I'm not even going to try. I'll just stress myself out and then be pissed <laughs> off when I don't make it. So I just watch as many as I fucking feel like watching. Um, although I think last year, I think if memory serves right, I did about 16 or 17, you did which really, I was you did really, quite you, pleased with. You did what would have been like more than a year's worth of horror watching like about four or five years before that. Oh, yeah. In one yeah, absolutely. Month. So I was really impressed. So, um, yeah, so I've been kind of checking out that, looking what's coming on Netflix, what's coming on Amazon. Um, recently got Sky Movies back yeah. on my subscription. Um, there's one or two on there. Um, not brilliant for horror, it's got to be said. And also Shudder are releasing... Um, Shudder have so much stuff A right lot there. of stuff. Uh, oh, that was another one I watched. I did watch... Oh, oh. oh. I did watch uh, Straight Edge Kegger. I've never heard of this. <laughs> never heard of it, right. Okay. It's on, it's on Shudder. It's on Shudder in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit like... Green Room meets uh, American History X, but not very good. <laughs> um, I'm being unfair, actually. It's uh, th- there's quite a lot of it set in like punk rock shows and stuff like that, and and I think it's real bands that they've used and stuff like that, and that's really good. But the acting beyond that is fucking diabolical, and. It's trying to... I imagine whoever it was that made this film was a, a big kind of straight-edge hardcore fan, yeah. probably from the kind of late 90s to early 2000s. Mm-hmm. It's about the uh, kind of uh, vegan straight-edge crew who become militant and violent towards people that don't follow their set of values, if you like. Yeah, But it's... It's almost cartoonish the way they do it. Do you know what I mean? And I was really digging it initially because it was at a show and the band were playing on stage were really fucking good. And I'm like, oh, this is all right. Do you know what I mean? And then they just started acting. I was like, fuck this. (laughs) Such a shame. And all I could think was, um, I mean, who was your man that did like uh, Blue Ruin, Green Room and all that? Uh, Jeremy Sonia. Yeah. Sonia. I just, I just remember thinking, if you had given him this script, he could have done something with us. Mm-hmm. Like, genuinely, he could have done something with us. Um, he maybe wouldn't, having done The Green Room, it's a, you know, there's, there's yeah. definite parallels there to it. But I, I just think we're a bit of a, didn't even need a budget more than what they did. It just needed better fucking actors, to be yeah. quite blunt. Um, yeah, so that was annoying. But uh, I'm quite glad that I watched it anyway. So that's on Shudder. Um, I'd imagine it's in the US Shudder as well, but it's certainly in the UK one. Yeah, there's. Um, I think there's about four or five things on Shudder that will ultimately make my 31 of October before all the stuff they're releasing over October comes out. Um, yeah. And then obviously Amazon Prime are doing the Blumhouse thing again that they did last year. Do you know, I have still never watched last year's Blumhouse releases. I don't. I, yeah, I, I remember like, everybody being pretty underwhelmed by the whole thing. Yeah, there's a reason that they all ended up where they ended up. 
if you know what I mean. They were all Blumhouse projects that ultimately got dumped on Amazon as part of a deal, quote unquote, which I think right. was probably more a if you put this on here, we'll pay you um, sort of scenario. Yeah, None yeah. Of them particularly interesting. And uh, to be honest, like from what I've seen of the ones that are coming up, none of them seem particularly interesting as well. But they will make the list because, you know, my list is always movies. That's your cast, Duncan. Yeah, my, my, my 31 is always movies that come out this year. Um, so yeah. I haven't had a chance to see. And there's been tons of those this year thus far. Um, so because I've been doing other things. <laughs> and yeah. the streaming sites have really stepped up to adding loads of content. Um, yep. Although yep. I would highly recommend, uh, if you have the time, Vicious Fun is now available on Shudder, and that is one of the higher scoring movies that me and Big Sexy Scott McKenzie saw as part of the Digital Fright Fest back in March. So I believe that one's already on my list on yes. Shudder. I think you will have fun with that movie, Baz. Nice. Nice. Speaking about not having fun at all and going to someplace very cold, uh, but a movie with teeth, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. We are going to swing into our first movie review of this episode. This is Baz legitimately taking on one of the tomes of modern horror history. As we- Schmargersball! <laughs> I will Google and find out where this other fucking word is. <laughs> It'll be something shit. Like, like, I don't know. I can't even think Toblerone of it. Toblerone or something, that's yeah, Swiss, isn't it? Unintentionally racist about chocolate there. What <laughs> fucking hope do I have? <laughs> Toblerone's aside. Uh, let's, 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 uh, I really want a Toblerone now. Uh, let's do this. We're going to take a shot. Do you want, do, sorry, before yep. we dive in, here's an embarrassing Baz story. Oh, and it's not it. on Jaws's shite. Give it. Um... <laughs> recently needed a bit of work done on the roof so my friend Shed Stew who um, followers of Jaws of Shite will know, will know of um, he has an uncle that lives close by who is a, a roofer he used to have his own company and he kind of works for the council now and I've, I've had uh, his uncle do work for me before so I had him up so this was a bigger job he was repointing parts of the roof and all this blah 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 and he, he did it for an absolute song it was a phenomenal price that he charged you know considering the amount of work he did mm-hmm. so my wife being my wife she can't just pay somebody for a job well done she has to also give them presents mm-hmm. or something do you know what i mean so she was like that oh maybe we should get maybe we should get him like a case of beer or a bottle or something but I, on speaking to shed stewart he told me that his uncle doesn't actually really drink anymore he's not completely teetotal but he's, he's not he doesn't drink regularly and he wouldn't really thank you for it kind of thing and the only thing that they said was oh he likes Toblerone so I was then fucking dispatched into the local Tesco other supermarkets are available in the area to pick up the biggest Toblerone I could fucking find then I've got to give this big massive tattooed fucking roofer guy at my door right Billy there's your uh, there's a wee envelope with the cash in it my friend and uh Here's something that looks like I brought it back from a holiday because my wife can't just fucking pay for a job well done. There you go. There's a huge bar of fucking chocolate. <laughs> Humiliated. <laughs> did he share it with you at least? No. He didn't. No, he did. His fucking eyes lit up right enough in fairness. I think he really does like Toblerone. <laughs> see, see, they know. Women always know. Uh, right, let's uh, let's let's get into discussion of a movie where the 
points of the chocolate resemble the fangs of a vampire. I don't know where I'm going with this. Let, let's know. ditch the Toblerone analogies right there. <laughs> Failed from the very beginning. <laughs> right, you're going to hear a song that Baz has picked that will curate this break here. And then we are going to return after the trailer to Let the Right One In from 2008. Myself and Baz coming back to discuss that movie right after this. Hello, this is the Doom Show. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking, America. We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. (laughs) The truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. That's gotta go. (laughs) That's gotta go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I am Brad, the guy that's not Richard, or Jeffrey, or Simon. That's right. We have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? (laughs) We got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow.
du vampyr? Hade du tyckt om mig ändå? Welcome back, ladies and gents. So you've just heard the trailer for Let the Right One In. Or, in its original Swedish, Let den Rata Kommen In. So there you go. Yeah. Do you know, that was probably quite close. I th- Well, you know, the language had an impact, but it had an impact. Um, <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know. Uh, they did have a whole series of people that travelled over in boats and just raped a lot of Scots. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so yeah. Oh, they loved a the rape. <laughs> no, you pillage. <laughs> pillage. Um, Unfortunately, what they were pillaging was other people's genitals. <laughs> so it was really just more. Just, like rape squared. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I now want I now want a, like a one of these TED talks on the Vikings delivered by Baz. Uh, <laughs> the name of this this particular talk is Rape Squared. Now don't Rape me, Squared. Stay here. Um, right, the so, first thing to know about Vikings: massive rapists. <laughs> oh, no. Not much more to say. What about to talk about a really classy movie as well? I love it. Yes, we are. Uh, right, so uh, this one came out in 2008. It's based on the book, uh, which was adapted into a screenplay by John Lindquist. And the movie itself stars a lot of Swedish people. I'm not doing that today. Fuck that. Um, <laughs> not doing it. I know they want me to, Baz, but sometimes I have to put my foot down. Do you want Baz to do it? Do, do you want to take a stab at the, the cast list here? Yes, on you it. go. Go for it. Right now, just pad, pad by like frantically fucking Google, let the right one yes. in. This is the padding section where Duncan This is the padding you. section. <laughs> I speak to you about things banally chosen to pad out for time in a slightly slower cadence than I usually would. Well, Baz furiously types on a search device to come up with the cast list of the movie we're about to discuss. The cast, <laughs> in credits order. Oh dear. Complete, but awaiting verification. <laughs> uh, now, this film stars Cara uh, Hedebrandt. That's pretty good. Lena Leanderson. Yes. Per Ragnar, Henrik Dahl, Karen Bergqvist, Peter Karlberg, probably does great lager. <laughs> Eikenord, Mikael Ram, and others. That wasn't difficult at all, McLeish. Uh, you say that, but... That's I... just laziness in your part, sir. I guarantee, I guarantee for a fucking fact, right? Hardcore fact that what would have happened is I would have got, what, let's see, maybe like one word in there, you'd be like, eh, is that how that's pronounced? I would have got exacerbated by the whole situation and... <laughs> 
yes, the audience would be delighted by this, but I'm not giving them it. You would have just spiralled. I want to come into this review angry. And I don't want to be angry in this review, Buzz. Um, the synopsis for this one is Oscar, an overlooked and bullied boy, finds love and revenge through Ellie, a beautiful but peculiar girl. Now, now, this uh, was... I wanted, Was this on my original list or was this one of the Bazzies? This was one of the Baz choices. Why? Um, it's a film that I remember being talked about quite a lot in my more regular days on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also one that I'd featured on a wish list um, on, I think it was Amazon Prime or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just one of the ones that I had wanted to see for a while. There was a small kind of subset of um, more kind of highbrow horror movies that I hadn't got to. Baskin was actually one of them, but I'd watched Baskin uh, a while ago when it first came on, I think it was Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, I had checked Baskin out. So there was Baskin, there was this, um, a couple of the other ones that were doing for this Bazoween kind of thing. So it was films along that kind of genre. And I just, I, I always knew that these films were going to be good. Yeah. In one way or another, do you know what I mean? Because just nobody disliked these films mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know, might not necessarily be their thing, but they always gave them kind of glowing reviews. Um, and yeah, just, not, we never, you and I never really did a huge amount of vampire stuff. Um, Weirdly, we never, and it kind of feels like one of those, it feels like one of those um, overlooked things from our point of view, yeah. because we covered so much of the slasher stuff that, I don't understand why we never went into the monster stuff. Yeah, I think possibly the franchise thing mm. lent itself very much to the slasher stuff. I mean, I do remember in, the, in year one we did 30 Days a Night when yes. vampires came yes. up as a, an actual topic for one of the one of the early shows. Mm-hmm. Um, we covered Salem's Lot, I think, <laughs> Bazoween a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> oh, yes, that wee guy in the fucking graveyard, man. <laughs> that gun's got a dog. What is that cunt looking at? <laughs> Brilliant. If you've no listened, take it back. Genuinely my proudest moment. Yeah, we're, it's um, just me and Baz howling for about, what, five minutes? Yeah, I, I've never made myself laugh so much as I did with that section. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones. We did Fright Night. Again, that, that yeah, was a Bazoween yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but like I say, we didn't do a huge uh, amount of vampire stuff. And then um, you could argue that those movies um, are of a certain tone, and this movie is 100% not. Uh, yes, aye, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, we'll get into talk about this, obviously, but kind of like what we were saying earlier, the vampire genre is a hard one to do anything with. It is, 100%. Kind of vampires, do you know what I mean? It's That's pretty much it. Um which was actually one of the reasons I liked 30 Days a Night so much, because the, the idea of bringing in the sort of the three months of darkness or whatever it was, mm-hmm. or, or the 30 days. And why the fuck did I say three months? I it's clearly no just one month. <laughs> it's literally in the title. Dickhead! Um, <laughs> but bringing this idea in that there is no daylight for a certain finite period of time mm-hmm. um, was quite cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Lost Boys was cool because it brought in semi-nude saxophonists that hadn't been done before. <laughs> I still believe. 
<laughs> you know, beyond that, Salem, Salem's lot in the graveyard scene was a stroke of genius. <laughs> yeah. uh. um, so yeah, yeah. So that, this is this is all why I was excited to watch Let the Right One In. Well, I am I am curious on this one. There is obviously the the remake, which I know a lot of our American audience will have seen before this one because the the remake was produced by Hammer Horror as well. It was their kind of first. <laughs> yeah, it was their one of their. Actually, see, I want to see. It was their first foray back into doing things because they did the remake of this, and then they did um, the Woman in Black not long after. So their involvement with the like, Let Me In is what it's called. Let Me In, yeah. yeah. Um, was was their kind of way of putting to. I also want to see, and I'm, it's been a while since I watched it. Their one may be more in line with the novel, right? Um, okay. Without going into like huge amounts of detail, Ellie in the novel, I think, is a hermaphrodite. Um, yeah, you told you'd mentioned that in passing. Yeah, uh, um, to me a while ago, and I'm sure something is shown along those lines in the in the remake that is not shown. And, and let the right one in. So, I, but even then, needless, a needless remake. Uh, I, I want to stress that hundred yeah. percent needless remake. It doesn't do anything better than this movie, and it's purely made because there is a certain demographic of people that will not read a movie. That won't read a subtitle. Yeah, yeah. Will not will not fucking do it at all. Even though not a huge amount of dialogue in this movie. Um, it really yeah. is. It really isn't. It's more about mood and atmosphere. Um, right, we we have we have teased the nipples of the listeners long enough, Baz. Um, yeah. They are now pointy and erect, and um, as a result, we need to. I don't know what I, I, I don't. I see these things, and then I realise that I'm I'm trapping myself in a conversational loop that I don't want to be in. I want to talk about nipples when I'm talking about this movie. I just want to talk yeah. about the movie. I know, I know, and and I'm going to reinforce that in the next thirty seconds. Trust me. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> right, well, Baz. Uh, please, please, please let the listeners know. Hopefully, you're not going to slate this one. Uh, what you made of? Let the right one in. See if you start this by saying nipples. I'm out. <laughs> God. No, no, no. Settle back, gentle listeners, as we take a stroll through the Swedish delight that is let the right one in. I had about. 15 to 20 pages of jokes <laughs> before I'd even seen the film. Just around letting the right what into what. <laughs> and I think we all know where I was heading in that. You know? <laughs> then I watched the film, realised the age of the main characters and almost everybody in this film. Yeah. It's not good, Duncan. It, it's, <laughs> it was not the right path to tread. See, when Robert Frost was in that wood and he took the path less travelled by, that's what I did, Duncan, and I shouldn't have. Yep. I should have taken the tarmac cycle path mm-hmm. of safety. Yep. You know what I mean? So, um, so, so what, you're, what you're saying is, Baz, that you're going to let the right review in. Yes, that's quite clever, Duncan. Uh, wish I'd thought of that. <laughs> I will let the right review in, and this 
the right review will be a good 45 minutes shorter than the other review. <laughs> whole lot less penis, though. Because, well, yeah, this is a film about young vampires. <laughs> well. I will give it well. a three and a half. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. For those that don't know, the, the, the two main characters in the film, I think I pitched about, they're about 12 years of age or something supposed yeah, to be. but the vampire, with the caveat of, as a vampire, um, has been yes, on the earth so, a lot longer than 12 years. But yeah, yeah. has the body of a 12-year-old bus. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we need to be careful where we go with this one. Um, the film opens with some annoyingly long opening credits um, that eventually fade to falling snow. Beautiful. Um this had me checking that my Blu-ray was actually working correctly at first. <laughs> what would Fucking be a bad review without the panic that comes in with you thinking that something's wrong with it? <laughs> you know, it's weird. It's like I don't trust Blu-ray and DVD. It's because I can't see any turning. You know, it's witchcraft as far as I'm concerned and I genuinely do expect them not to work. And I don't think it's ever fucking happened. My boys are now watching a, a dinosaur DVD that belonged to their big sister that actually has bits chipped out of it and it still plays fucking perfectly. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, yeah. Yeah, it's like that, there was uh, that news story on the BBC about the guy who quote-unquote rescued 20,000 VHSs for yeah, his, yeah. his private collection. And people Come up are, from down south to some place in Dundee or something. Yeah, like people are up. talking about how much of a hero this guy is and I, I genuinely think that people have forgotten how fucking useless the VHS format is. Somewhere Mark Ball has just smashed his MP3 <laughs> player off a wall. He got rid of his as well. He he adopted you, you did that to him. Of course, because it was a pain in the tits. You had to rewind things. You like the the tracking started going. Oh, tracking. Tighten the fucking thing with a knife. And like <laughs> just all this pish. And then occasionally the machine that played it would just eat it. <laughs> so I mean and people are like oh he's, he's doing a great job saving VHS tape no he's not it's probably 7,000 copies of Titanic you know what I mean <laughs> let's be honest let's be Assorted honest sorted Rocky movies yeah it's lit, uh, there ain't no good coming out of that they're like oh they're putting a museum all children need to see is one VHS to know what a VHS looks like and that's it. They don't need a museum full of them. No. Okay, it's like the... What's that podcast that the girl from Kitty is on? Witchfinger, the Witchfinger yeah. podcast. One of the girls, not the... Not Morgan from Kitty, but one of the other girls that she podcasts with, she's heavy into VHS. That's a, that's a, and weirdly, if you follow her Instagram thing, her room looks just like yours... <laughs> But only with VHSs instead of fucking Blu-rays. Does that, that, I think there is that like people want to recreate the the experience of going into a video store. Yeah, and, and these people never fucking worked in a video store because trust me, the last thing I want is <laughs> it's the flashbacks to that. I had to fucking dust those. You had to go out every other day and dust all the VHS covers on the shop floor. And I tell you right now, see when you've done that. And being paid very little for it, ain't no way I'm doing it in my free time for fuck all. Nah. Fuck that, Baz. Fuck VHS. That's right. That's the podcast under the stairs stands. Fuck VHS. Honestly, there's fucking there's 
miners and child chimney sweeps shedding a tear silently listening to this podcast, Duncan, at the harrowing fucking abuse you suffered as a young man working in a VHS shop. I had... I having had, to dust them like that. I had management responsibilities and staff who were clearly, clearly 10 years older than me working for a snotty-nosed 19-year-old who wore a jacket from the fucking Matrix who had a pair of fucking blue space age goggles in his in his house, which he wore two gigs. I painted his fucking nails and all the rest. And I was and I was working fifty hours a week, getting paid. Wait for it, four pound thirty five an hour, which is three pound thirty five an hour more than my first job. <laughs> pound an hour. Logging ice cream in the swallow of Cathy. Pound an hour. But and then, she was my auntie. Yeah. At that time, Baz, like a pound would buy you a house. <laughs> so, like, didn't hit me with it. Didn't hit me with <laughs> Right. Let the right one in. Long intro. Yeah, let the right falling. one in. Snow falling. Long intro. Bit like this. <laughs> Some Swedish cunt starts quoting lines from Deliverance. It's weird. Squeal like a pig. Deliverance. I get, I, I've seen it. Nobody getting ass raped though. There is. Again, they're only 12. <laughs> a topless albino kid is looking out his window <laughs> at a housing estate. Oh, he's going right for Oscar. Picking him, poor wee Oscar. Yeah. Like, oh, he's bullies at his school bags. Wait, wait till you hear the name I've got for him. Oh, no. A taxi pulls up. A young girl about his age gets out with an older gentleman who carries her luggage. Prepubescent Baz pulls out a wee camping knife, gets back to his deliverance soliloquy. Oscar looks uncannily like prepubescent Baz. <laughs> it's the hair, it's the poker straight blonde hair cut into what can only be described as a German World War II helmet. <laughs> It's a fucking war crime of a haircut. And I sported it for far longer than was acceptable. And it was my mother that used to cut it. I genuinely thought I had the worst haircut in the world until I saw one that my pal Milky's mother cut into his hair for his school photo, which she sent him to wearing a bow tie. I'm going to find that fucking picture, actually, and put it on our Instagram, because people have to see this. This is my best friend. He was the best man at my wedding. And honestly, what his mother was thinking is beyond me. But anyway, I had a terrible, terrible haircut as a young man. Young Oscar here also has the physique of a young prepubescent Baz, i.e. none at all. Mostly just bone covered by some loose-fitting skin. Uh, yeah, so he's got a wee camping knife he keeps in his room. Uh, with the old guy, shortly after this, we see the old guy putting boards over the windows mm-hmm. of the apartment that him and the young girl have just moved into. And then a Jakey takes a piss in the snow. <laughs> a Jakey, for non-Scots, is a normally homeless alcoholic person. Yeah, Jakey. And this guy does look like one. Really does. I think they maybe accidentally caught like a, a non-actor on <laughs> so it's like some guy's annoyingly he goes on to be one of the main fucking characters in the movie yeah. but 
Um, next day at school, a local cop's given uh, a guest lecture on what looks like on like an introduction to being a murderer 101. It's <laughs> <laughs> really fucking weird. Like, um, you know, they, they used to just come into your school and make sure you've got your name painted on your bike somewhere with yeah. that wee invisible pen thing. Didn't be a wee no, fanny. No, this can't. Uh, it's literally, didn't be a wee fanny, don't get any trouble. Uh, or we'll hit you, because yeah. in those days the police were allowed to hit children in the street. <laughs> Prepubescent Baz is getting bullied by some wee fanny at the school. Um, and I've written here that it's probably due to his outrageous taste in footwear. <laughs> his... Oh, you know... I was on your side, Oscar, at the start of this. You know, you, you plucked at the heartstrings till that camera panned down past your fucking shit brown corduroys to those padded baby cowboy boot things that you're wearing with your cords fucking tucked into the legs. Oscar, son, what you thinking? I could understand if it was Texas or fucking New Mexico or something. Not Stockholm. Yeah, not when it's snowing as well. It's not practical things to wear no, in the snow. Especially if you have to run away from marauding packs of bullies. Because <laughs> I'd imagine the soles in those fuckers was just sheer leather. <laughs> it's appalling. I make no issue. I don't care if he's 12. Just no fucking excuse. The old guy's cleaning some kitchen equipment. Oh, and, it, and I love this bit, man. He's got like a leather, it's like a doctor's briefcase, one of those ones that opens up and that. And he's got, <laughs> just got here, it's filled with all the accoutrement <laughs> of somebody that's getting up to the murdering. <laughs> <laughs> Big fucking knives. Siphons and hoses and all that. Mm. You're up to no good, sir. With that, let me tell you. <laughs> Honestly. You Unless explain- you turn out to be a 24-hour home delivery butcher, yeah. there is no fucking excuse for what you've got That's in what that I'm saying. If you, get, if you get stopped by the police and the police has to search your bags, you're fucked. <laughs> Which is an interesting point to raise, given the next bit that I'm going to talk on. Mm. So hold on to your tits, folks, because it's about to get real... Um, a short while later, we see him hanging about at the side of the road. Literally, with his wee murder case. And a can of ether or something like that with a mouthpiece on it, hidden behind his back. Cars flashing by in the background. Cares not a jot. Just carries on with gay abandon. Zero fucks given at any point during this. He asks a random stranger for the time and then gasses him with this thing. Mm-hmm. And the best bit is the guy's like, ah, What's that? <laughs> and he brings out the gas canister from behind his back, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then he's got a name for it, I can't remember. I thought I'd Halotane or Halotane or something like that, he calls it. Anyway, just whaps that out of his mouth and knocks him out. Got him easier ways of doing it. He was an old man. Yeah, but surely it's easier for an old man to stick a wee syringe full or something in you than 
gently cradle the back of your head and then place this mask over your mouth. Well, this this leans into conversations later on. Oh, nice. Okay, looking forward to that. <laughs> oh, does it now, Duncan? <laughs> conversations, you see, on a podcast. It'll <laughs> never catch on. Um, yeah, then I make another comment about I'm not giving a fuck about being seen. Next thing, we've got the poor guys hanging upside down from a tree, mm. uh, which I believe is the cover of my Blu-ray. Um, should have mentioned that at the start. I'm watching this. Just the standard UK issue Blu-ray of the movie. Um, he cuts his jugular and then starts funneling the blood into a container. And I've just reinforced it by saying you can literally see cars driving past <laughs> in the background. Do you know? And not in a stupid fucking August Underground type way, and mm. that they were just too cheap to wait till the cars fucking left. You know, it's clearly done on purpose. Uh, <laughs> I do love this next bit though. A dog disturbs him, and it just will not fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Which I really like. Look, the dog's an absolute arsehole. <laughs> I mean, just will not fucking go away. He should have stabbed the dog and hung it up for a fucking tree, do you know what I mean? Um, and then, so then he's then forced to scarper before the owners turn up because he then hears them shouting in the dog. Uh, and it, it's quite comical because he's running off. He's wearing like a wee Dexter get up, like the fucking the see through raincoat mm-hmm. thing and all that. And he's trying to carry his wee murder sack room. It, it, it's really quite comical to watch, especially because he's kind of old. Yeah. Uh, so I like that bit a lot. Um, <laughs> prepubescent Baz goes outside uh, to play with his wee knife, and I've written here in his John TV cowboy boots. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was warming to them at this point. I thought they're quite jaunty looking, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, as he's stabbing fuck out of a tree, uh, a weird wee goth chick, the one that we saw earlier. She appears standing on top of the wee climbing frame thing. So I, 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 I penned one of my poetic prose for later on, for the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm going to slightly spoil that moment. There's a very kind of Soviet fucking feel to this town that he lives in. Yep. So we're not behind the Iron Curtain. I, th- I do think, though, that this film is set maybe in the past, like maybe in the 80s type thing. It's I think not it's like in the 80s. Yeah. yeah, it's in the 80s. It's not, it's not like set in like modern times or anything like that. So I'm sure it's the 80s. Yeah. So, um, and, and just, it, it appears to be some kind of little industrial town. It's very kind of communal house and mm-hmm. a lot of concrete and all that, very angular. And there's a kind of courtyard in the middle of it where he plays and so she's up on top of this climbing frame. Um... When she jumps down from that, you very briefly get a weird little kind of floating effect. Mm-hmm. Like when she comes down off it, almost like she can fly. Um, and then she's like, yeah, we can't be friends and fucks off. And I'm just sitting here, typical woman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just going to flirt with you very briefly and then tell you I want fuck all to do with you and I'm away. <laughs> Welcome to Basvi Incel. <laughs> that's a poorly timed joke given that guy that was running about shooting cunts because he couldn't get his hole a couple of weeks ago do you oh, know no. what I mean I know um, apologies to 
anybody who is involuntarily celibate. Uh, but please don't kill people. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but ladies, you know, he may not have been looking to finger you. Maybe he just wants to be friends. You don't need to tell him that you can't be friends. Test it out. Granted, he looks like a creepy weirdo in those <laughs> shoes. But you're possibly being a bit harsh. Uh, also, though, guy... if you are a vampire, don't befriend a small boy. I'm just... <laughs> no. Tasteless. Tasteless. Savagery. Uh, the old guy's on a bus when he realises he's left his harvested blood behind in the woods. Um, at the flat... No, I randomly, at this point, started calling the character of Ellie Stranger Things. Just thought she looked a bit like a kind of amalgam of all of the kids and Stranger Things, mm-hmm. but in particular Louis Finn Wolfhard. Oh yeah. So uh, yeah, so we're calling her Stranger Things now. <laughs> she starts going mental at him, uh, going on about she'll need to take care of him, take care of it herself. So it would appear that this old guy is like her familiar. Essentially, yeah. Um, which is a kind of a thing that we've seen in a lot of vampire films, although not all. Interesting to note. Yeah, it's one of those things that feels like it was at one point the one of the kind of pivotal things of the old way of telling vampire stories. Yeah. It's very easy to drop that out. You know what I mean? That's the sort of thing where, do we want another kind of Renfield? No, let's drop yeah. it. Yeah, see, I immediately equate it to the, the kind of Latino character and what we see in the, what we do in the Shadows, yeah. the TV show. Yes, I've still watched this. Have you not watched that yet? I did. Oh, when? damn you. 120 movies and 60 plus hours of summer series content this year. When, damn, when did I find the time to sit down in between that and the fact that we are mere weeks away from me being a father again? Like, whenever I... Stop shagging so much. <laughs> Only kidding, Cory. <laughs> Um, no, watch it, man. The TV show is better than the movie. Everyone has told me this. Like, you're yeah, yeah. not the only person. Like, Bo Ransdell, who is, like, basically American Baz. Um, yeah. That is all he keeps telling me. Like, every time I speak to him, is how fucking great that TV show is. And the fact it keeps getting it's just been renewed for a fourth season. Like, the fact it's happening is, uh, you know, I should be watching it. And yes, you are all right. And I will do it at some point. But not today. Okay. It's not the time to talk about it. No. At <laughs> uh, school, uh, the teacher's now talking about the boy that was killed in the woods. So this is the one that was hung for the tree a short while ago. Uh, we find out that the bully is called Connie. Uh, and he probably became a bully because he's got a girl's name. <laughs> You're a bad man. You're a, <laughs> You're a bad, you know what I mean? bad man. <laughs> it's like John Wayne. That's why he became such a fucking misogynist. Because he was called Marion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, at home, prepubescent Bazzy's mum is freaking out about the murder. Uh, but I've made a wee note here that she probably needs to be more concerned with his murder scrapbook that he has in his fucking room. Is Elsewhere, it is it like I had that when I was like 12, 13, I had books on serial killers. Yeah, and you turned out perfectly fucking balanced. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on if you hadn't fucking met Corinne, I dread to think. 
what this fucking basement room of yours would be getting used for right now, Duncan. It wouldn't be a film room, I tell you that yep, much. Sir. I wouldn't be wearing clothes for a start. Covered in plastic sheeting. <laughs> yeah, it would be like, right now they'd be like what what appeared to be a paper mache sort of like head, which was actually just a mannequin head saturated in my dried semen. Um, yeah. So... <laughs> Everything just easy wipe. <laughs> Rubber couches and all that. Just all wipes off nice and easy. Industrial sized piles of handy wipes and stuff like that. <laughs> and a deed cat. Hey, elsewhere, the snow pissing Jakey from earlier is having a drink in a pub that looks very much like a Chinese restaurant. Uh, he's having a wee drink with his Jakey pals and a retired prostitute. The old familiar is also there drink, drinking some milk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the weirdest fucking setup. I do actually think this is a Chinese restaurant, yet they are just sitting about drinking beer. I, do you know, like, there are is some. Is it called like the Golden Sunrise or some yeah, fucking thing like that? Aren't like, I think there are. And as starfish or something. Used to, like, like, I don't know, like, I, I have vivid memories of, like, going with, like, my dad to pick up, like, Chinese takeaway in restaurants but there was like a bar that people could sit at while they were waiting on their food being made and I'd be like really? I just it always seemed a bit weird that you would go you drive up to pick up your thing and then decide I'll have a beer while I'm waiting on my Chinese and drive home well well, different time different times yeah different times strange Um, (laughs) yellow snow then tries to initiate contact with the familiar but he just gets completely fucking pied I'm just I'm I'm now I'm sorry I'm now stuck on the idea of the the Chinese restaurant being like a pub and it's not pork scratchings but it's prawn crackers Uh, like like, like, (laughs) uh, but it's even the guy behind oh the guy behind like I can't do any of the accents I want to do as well because they're wildly racist. So um, we need to move on from this before I dig myself in a hole that I will forget to edit myself out of. Okay. I- I've now got a picture of them instead of eating crisps, they've just got bags full of those battered chicken balls. They're <laughs> just gorging themselves on that. Um, give me that pub. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um. Prepubescent Baz and Finn Wolfhard's goth sister bond over a Rubik's Cube. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think she, at this point she, she appears to be kind of hungry, but she doesn't want to eat him because she likes him. So uh, she goes and she kills one of Yellow Snow's pals. Um, and she does this so she's in a, like an underpass tunnel kind of thing. Yep. And she's asking for help and all that. And when he goes over to help her, she jumps on him and snaps his neck. Love this scene. Fat guy with a cat witnesses it, but does fuck all to help in any way whatsoever. <laughs> Could have thrown the fucking cat off. Do you know what I mean? Help! That would have been a start. <laughs> fucking crazy cat guy, honestly. That's who you'd be if it wasn't for Corey. What? Just you and Hunters, a wee rat like dogs running on in your house. How dare you? <laughs> They're called Chihuahuas, Buzz. 
we get an exterior shot of the two flats with prepubescent bars in one window and a written and the familiar beating stranger things in the other. I don't think he beats her at any point no, in this movie, does he? Gives her a round. Berating, uh, maybe? Berating, that's what it was supposed to be. Yeah, you should a... be in the police. <laughs> Every little thing she does is magic. No, not that police, no. I've, I've noted. <laughs> Walking on the moon. <laughs> uh, that was just like Sting. Uh, <laughs> uh, lovely visuals I've written at this point. Mm-hmm. There is no getting away from this film. It, it's beautifully shot, <laughs> especially considering how bleak the whole thing is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Both in terms of the story and the you know the the sets and the, the general ambience of the whole thing. Bleak as fuck. <laughs> um. But in fairness, we prepubescent Baz, he's ramping up the teen serial killer vibes to like 11 now. Do you know what I mean? Uh, crazy cat guy goes to see the Jake Bag Scooby gang in the Chinese restaurant to tell them what he saw. Uh, he takes them to the spot and they do find some blood there. Uh, but there's no body because we find out that the familiar dragged it off on a toy sled. Mm-hmm. And then dumped it in a frozen lake. Called in, they called in Harvey Keitel, the wolf. <laughs> That's it, the cleaner. Cleaner's here. They loaded him onto a child's fucking sledge. Dragged him two miles through the snow, because that wouldn't leave a fucking track at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. Um, <laughs> prepubescent Baz and Stranger Things meet that night at the climbing frame. She's solved the Rubik's Cube and no longer smells like a corpse, which is mm. good. Uh, I've noted here that he tell, she tells him that her name is Ellie, or Ely, however you pronounce it, and he's Oscar. I don't know if that maybe came out before, but fuck it. There's a bit of chat about ages and birthdays, and this goes back to the thing we are saying earlier on, like they're 12. Yeah. But she was basically 12 when she was turned or whatever fucking happened to her. Yep. She has remained 12, essentially, and we don't know for how long. Um, at school, prepubescent Baz is teaching himself a bit of the Morse code. On his way home, Connie and his mates jump him. And uh, <laughs> this was weirdly fortuitous. Uh-oh. I've written here that some weird wee hermaphrodite kid starts beating him <laughs> with a stick. And then I've just written, is it a boy? Is it a girl? <laughs> Who the fuck knows? The, the, the wee kid with the blonde hair and the scarf. I know exactly what, I, I know the one you're What on. is that? I don't know. <laughs> and then, then I felt bad about this because then I remembered what you had said about the book. Yeah. That there are actually hermaphrodites in it. There is. Uh, well, but I don't the, think it was this character. No. I, I honestly could not tell you if that is a boy or a girl. Fucking, uh, I don't mean to gender fucking define somebody. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But really, if you are a boy, take that fucking scarf off, is all I'm saying. <laughs> like an effeminate Doctor Who. 
That, see, that, even that doesn't work now because we've got all a lady Doctor Who, don't we? <sighs> Nothing's sacred. Nothing's fucking sacred anymore. Um, it appears that the other two don't really want much to do with all of this, but the wee Connie prick is in charge for some reason. He's the alpha. Yeah, apparently so. Prepubescent Baz lets his mum know like, what happened. Um, later on, he meets Stranger Things to teach her Morse code so they can talk through the wall. Um, he tells her the truth about what happens. He lied to his mum, kind yeah. of covered it up. He tells the truth to Stranger Things and she keeps telling him that we fight back. So it's <laughs> school he signs up for weightlifting classes. Uh, fucking the real prepubescent Baz would not have signed up for weightlifting <laughs> classes. I can absolutely assure you of that. <laughs> I got all the cardio I needed at the knife fighting ring. Oh, um, yes, like I'm, the more we're describing this kid, the more I'm thinking he is Baz. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, he then forces Stranger Things to eat a sweetie, and this makes her sick. And then I'm just sitting here because she's a fucking vampire. <laughs> uh, gives her a wee bit of a hug. I, I'm I'm just dying to jump in with. I know you are, but you can't. Here, and I you can't, can't. I literally can't. Yeah, we're, 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 your hands are tied. Forewarn me the next time, Duncan. <laughs> if a film's basically about children, because I frankly shouldn't be allowed near it. Well, let me just the forewarn film, you right not now. Not kids, I'm fine with yeah. kids. <laughs> well, let me forewarn you right now. The next movie we're discussing next week, Goodnight Mummy, is about two twin boys. So let's... And they're about the same age. They're about 13, 14. So whatever you're going to say, keep it off your notes. God damn it. I hope the girl that walks home alone at night is over 18. She is, and... Nice. Under the skin, you know what that's about. So we should be... We'll make up for it in the back half. That's about uh, Scarlett Johansson trying to suck my soul out through my cock. <laughs> That's what that film's about. At least it is in my head at the moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> Back to the weird hugging scene. They have a bit of an odd conversation now. Um, where she says or asks him if he would still like her if she wasn't a girl. And I think this ties in or is a nod to the hermaphrodite thing that you mentioned yeah. in the original source material. Yep. Um, he goes to stay with his dad who appears to live in a farm. Well, not stay, but like go for, like, for the weekend. Like His parents have obviously split up, so he goes to see his dad on this farm. Back home, the world's worst familiar's getting his wee murder bag ready. <laughs> oh, this is great. He's just old. Well, it doesn't mean he's not bad at being a familiar. I mean, he's just a, an old shite familiar. He was, at one time, he wasn't old, though, and he was good at his job. Possibly. I, this is, this Possibly. is the, the ravages of, that's what makes this movie tragic when we get to the very, 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 very end. Um... It's all about the circle of life. I'm glad that you did that and set me up there. Um, 
I hadn't actually thought about that. That's why the ending's amazing. You know what I'm like with movies. That's I what that really is literally what makes the end of this movie the the sweetest, most tragic end to a vampire movie ever. Because I thought they were just going on holiday. No. <laughs> Maybe the seaside or something. No, he he is going to be the new old man, which will eventually become I genuinely did not pick up on that. Oh for fuck's sake, Baz. Like well I just thought they were off for waiting for him to come of age type thing. No. Anyway. <clears throat> to be familiar, he heads out and stalks a basketball team, which was a bold choice, it has to be said. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets one of them strung up in the locker room and, and I've written here, he's about to exsanguinate the motherfucker. Oh, nice. Uh, but then his teammates come back looking for him, realising that he's about to get caught and... <laughs> Protect Ely, he then tips acid over his face. Yep. You don't really see it, but you do in a wee while. Um, it's gnarly. It's a very powerful scene, that bit, I've got to say. Uh, so the next day, we get a radio report which actually kind of dates the movie to the 80s mm-hmm. uh, by referring to Brezhnev. So Leonid Brezhnev, the, the Russian president at the time. Um, we then get a radio report of the familiar being arrested for attempted murder. Um, and it says that he's in the hospital with self-inflicted facial injuries. Um, Ely goes to see him at the hospital. Um, there's a very creepy scene of her scaling the outside of the building. Mm-hmm. So, like, she initially goes in and speaks to a nurse at a station inside the hospital, then leaves... And the nurse goes out, like, follows her out kind of thing. And you see her in the car park. And I noticed it quite quickly, but I could understand that people wouldn't. She's actually kind of about two stories up on the outside of it, but in the shadows. And then as the nurse goes back in, you suddenly see her scuttle up the outside of the building. It was really well done. Uh, Really like that bit, I've got to say. Um... The she then has a kind of discussion with the familiar, like she's outside the window, he's inside, he's got all opened up and all that kind of stuff, and we then see the the injuries to his face, and this is all done with practical effects, yeah, and it's fucking great looking, yeah, it is absolutely spot on, um, and the, this next bit. I was maybe reading too much into it, but you can maybe clarify because I was a little bit confused by it. She then feeds from him yep. at the open window and then just kind of drops him. So they're about 10 stories up or something like that and he plummets to the ground. And what I couldn't figure out was whether, and I think obviously by the end of the film, you know, but at this point I couldn't figure out whether she was putting him out as misery and also protecting herself by, you know, kind of removing the evidence. Mm-hmm. Or if she was turning him, because it seemed to me for a split second when you see him lying on the ground, like the injuries on his face were starting to heal. All right. I'd, I'd never noticed that before. My- I'm, I was maybe looking for something that wasn't there. Yeah, like she's, she's literally getting rid of him. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, with the shocking revelation that the boy turns into the familiar at the end of the film, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, she's she's, but it's not even that though. He was supposed to bring blood back to her, which she's, he's failed to do. So that is essentially keeping her alive. That's her feeding yeah. on the blood that she didn't get before. So there's there's a there's a depending on which optic you want to look for through on this one this is like you see putting him out his misery which could be seen as the sweetest thing to do or this could uh-huh. be also seen as the selfish thing to do which is protecting herself plus getting the feed that she didn't get because he failed her which once yeah, again yeah. when you add that into the end is what makes the end so hauntingly sweet um it's a it's a gothic dichotomy <laughs> gothic dichotomy sounds like a really bad yankee candle <laughs> I don't even know what it would smell like, but it'd be interesting. Or the world's first like emo black metal band. <laughs> <laughs> um, all the corpse paint is like frowns. It's all faces. <laughs> Upside down clown faces. <laughs> I'm sad. Um. <laughs> the class go on a field trip to a frozen oh. lake mm-hmm. which I think is probably acceptable in countries like this <laughs> um, it's also it's the same lake where the body was dumped earlier though mm-hmm. um, Connie and his wee pals threaten to throw prepubescent Baz into the lake uh, so he fucks Connie in the side of the head with a massive stick nice good on you son Um while Connie's screaming and holding his nearly severed ear, um, two wee kids find the body uh, and they start screaming. It's like, oh, hell breaks loose and there's this really dorky fucking teacher in the middle going, what the fuck do I do here? Um, I'll just take the kids out for a harmless visit to the frozen lake. What could yeah. what could possibly go wrong here? And they have a child with a severed ear and a dead body. Nice. Uh, and they've got to cut the body out the ice with a chainsaw, which is really cool as well, actually. I like that a lot. Um, at the swimming, one of the bullies tries to kind of befriend Oscar. Um, later on, he takes stranger things to a kind of it's like a disused basement room or something in the school mm-hmm. that the kids used to hang out in. Um, and he tells her about standing up with the bullies. There's a really cool effect with her eyes when they go in initially in the dark. Mm-hmm. And you see her eyes are like reflecting like cat's eyes and when the lights come on her pupils are kind of uh, like oval yes. rather than round which was really cool i like that um he cuts his palm to do the kind of what i would have called the blood brothers thing oh uh, yeah uh, you know like when you both cut your palms and you join them together with the advent of fucking bloodborne viruses, that that's a no-no nowadays. We don't yeah. do that. I think in the 80s it was still alright. Um but the blood she sees the blood dripping in the floor <laughs> in a Britain. She goes at it like a dog eating beetroot. <laughs> Never seen a dog eat beetroot. I don't know what I was fucking talking that was about. the most like fucking vulgar visual I've ever heard. Yeah. I don't even know if dogs eat meat now. <laughs> well, I can assure you, you can put anything down in front of my pug and we eat it, so... Uh, uh, your nemesis. 
I do anything for the fucking attention. Anyway. Is <laughs> <laughs> a pin no enough for you? Is a pin no <laughs> enough for you? You want know fucking Puggleween next, you <laughs> dick? Puggleween? <laughs> no! Oh. I'll, I'll, I'll burn the servers that this fucking podcast sits on to the ground before I allow that to happen. Um, he's understandably freaked out by the fucking licking the blood after grin mm-hmm. kind of thing. I mean, I'd have probably been turned on at that age for what I was witnessing, but I'm going to leave it at that. Leave it at that, because remember, leave it. even that was a bit too much, to be quite frank, but we'll... Uh, <laughs> um, she screams at him to go, uh, but instead she runs off and scampers up a tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ageing prostitute from earlier on is at a lover's tiff with yellow snow uh, and makes the mistake of walking underneath the the same tree. And she, <laughs> she, she drops out the tree like a fucking koala in mating season. <laughs> See, animal stuff in this review is weird. I know. I don't, well, remember how there was that thing that folk used to talk, like folk that weren't from Australia, they used to try and wind them up about koalas, calling them drop bears because yes. they drop out the fucking trees. I think that's where I was going. They also carry, uh, do they not carry syphilis or chlamydia? It's one of the two. Koala bears? Yes. That's a fucking scandalous lie. You're thinking of pugs. No, koalas. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure it's chlamydia or syphilis. It's one of the two. Randy little bastards. Um, no, I'm, I'm barely sure it's pugs. <laughs> that and their face looks like a prolapse. <laughs> He's not even here, right? I know. He's not here to defend himself. I shite bag. The way hiding. <laughs> He's getting ready. He's getting his costume sorted for Pugaween. Um, so. <laughs> uh, aye, so anyway, Stranger Things drops out the tree onto the aging prostitute, starts biting her. The big yellow snow comes steaming in uh, <laughs> like a fucking, like a Jake bag Don Juan. <laughs> saves, saves his love by kicking Wayne, basically just boots <laughs> the fucking Wayne. And, uh, and she legs it. Um, I must have got bored with writing Aging Prostitute because I've now taken to calling her Charlotte the Harlot after the Iron Maiden song. <laughs> so next morning, Charlotte the Harlot ain't feeling so good. Mm-mm. She gets woken up by the sun burning her hand, opens the blinds and nearly combusts. Uh, then there's a fucking weird... Maybe you can explain this, <laughs> well, it? Did you hear the cadence of the voice there? There was a fucking... A weird scene! When Oscar goes to see his dad, and they're interrupted by who I can only assume is his dad's gay lover, and he then hitchhikes home, unbummed. <laughs> well, if he did get bummed, it's not in the narrative of the film. But who the fuck is that guy at his dad's house? Maybe he's gay lover, I don't know. It's not explained. I think it is, it's weird. <laughs> Just fucking weird and unneeded. Um. The aging prostitute gets attacked by a by crazy cat guy's cats because they must sense that she's on the turn. Uh, she ends up in hospital. Oscar turns up at Stranger Things house. Uh, just asks her straight up if she's a vampire. 
Uh, she tells him we get more of this chat about being 12 for a long, long time. Um, she tries to give him money, but he won't take it. You know, off he goes home. Uh, Yellow Snow, he goes to see his missus at the, the hospital. Uh, and he's <laughs> in the ultimate romantic gesture, he's going to sell his father's stamp collection to buy them a flat. Um, and she begs him to kill her, uh, but he won't. So the next morning, she gets the doctor to open the blinds and she combusts. Yep. With it. And again, a really good fucking. Uh, I'm fairly sure it's a practical effect. Yeah, yeah. Um, I see, like, there's very little CGI, and most of it's at the end of this movie. So see, see these boys that do the old uh, light me on fire thing, the old stunt boys. <laughs> yeah. That's something else, man. Aye. I would not fucking do that. No, no. Nah, but that's CGI that one to me. And the thing is, as well, is they do that. They do that. Um, it's one of the most dangerous stunts to do because you know you can't breathe. But you have to hold yes. your breath while you're doing it. But it's not even it's not even that though. The I imagine they're getting better at doing it now, but like you really need to have you need to have the money and the budget for this stunt, and you ain't doing it more than once. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine it's one of these. Well, like reset, take. Let's do it again. Right, set me on fire again. I think that's like a trauma that your brain can only really handle once a day. If that. Yeah. Ugh. And also. It, you have to do it nowadays so it doesn't look like you're wearing a big massive jacket made of carpet. Yeah, and which was is stunt men, are stunt men paid that much? I don't know. Are they? That's what I'm saying. I don't think they are. If any listener knows, write in. Yeah, if you are a stunt man, let us know. I know the fall guy was quite well paid. You don't know who the fucking fall guy is, do you? No. God damn you. I thought you were sh- the bald guy was a TV series with Lee Majors. Oh, yeah. I know you who know Lee Majors is. He's a $6 million you, dollar man. Yes, he was. Yeah, so, right. Well, this before was after the $6 you, million. Before this was after the $6 million. Put both of those fingers down. <laughs> before you start lecturing me about, like, I can't believe you don't know who, I know who Lee Majors is. But I don't the, know what the fall guy is. It was the TV show that he did after the Six Million Dollar Man. It was an early 80s thing. He basically was a stuntman in it. He had a wee sidekick. And I think they worked as bounty hunters on the side. Of course they did. Uh, uh, and, and it was a, a series of comedic adventures about that. Was it good? Uh, I loved it. And I loved the theme tune and everything. I, th- I believe it was sung by Lee Majors. <laughs> in fact, that's probably going to be one of the songs in this episode. <laughs> Been on fire over Cheryl T's blown up a wreck Elwish. <laughs> <laughs> that was part of it. Um, <laughs> Duncan's off to Google that son of a oh, bitch right man. now. Oh. Um, oh god, I've lost my place in my notes. Help me! Had <laughs> had frantically. Um Yes, she bursts into flames. She does. She does. There's the gay lover. Bursting into flames. There you go. <laughs> Stranger Things turns up at Oscar's house. Uh, looking much better, it's got to be said. She must have eaten some cunt by this point. <laughs> um, we get the whole thing where she's like, you've got to invite me in. 
This bit's really good, actually. He, I love he, this he, bit. Yeah. He wants to know what happens if he doesn't. Fair play to the bird. So she goes in uninvited and stands there and he's just staring at her and then gradually you see her starting to like bleed out of like her pores and her eyes and all that. It was really fucking cool. Yeah. He freaks out. He's like, oh, come on in. You can come in. You can come in. And it all stops. But obviously it doesn't all just disappear. She's left there looking like a fucking extra for The Walking Dead or something like that. Um, oh, right. This oh, was not keen on this next bit. So I really liked the bit with the blood and all that. She then goes for a shower to get all cleaned up. <laughs> I'm going to read my notes verbatim at this point. As she's changing, he takes a fly swatch at her fanny, which is quite frankly weird looking. Word for word what I wrote in my thing. So, and I've, I've then written here, that's all I'm going to say, she's 12. And again, that's exactly word for word in my notes. It's a very odd thing <laughs> that I'm very uncomfortable fucking talking about. Move and on. I think <laughs> this is what they did to get around the hermaphrodite thing that yeah. you mentioned earlier on. I'm this sure it's really like, I, 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 their take on I'm it. I'm sure it's. I'm sure she is a hermaphrodite. Um, mm-hmm. And you chat, and I will. I will get the answer to that. Well, she's not in this movie anyway, but as I say, it's a very odd looking machine and it's attached to a girl who's supposed to have the body of a 12 year old, so it's just all very deeply, deeply uncomfortable. Um, But that being said, it's a very jarring scene. Mm. So it, it has a, you know, it works well in the movie, it just totally throws you off your can I kill her for about a hundred different fucking reasons? And we Duncan have the, has, we have the has answer. had his light bulb moment. Lay it on me, daddy We were, well, I was wrong because I told you that detail which made you informed in the wrong way. Among the details in the book, not like obviously passed out in the movie, among the details revealed is that Ely, Ellie, whatever, uh, is a boy actually named Elias uh, who was castrated when when she was turned into a vampire 200 years ago. Despite this, he reanimates as a mindless vampire. Um, No, that's not even right either. Come on. I think this might be... No, that's that's what it says. That's not what I thought. Uh, I was castrated when she was turned into a vampire 200 years ago. So she's 200 years old. She was a boy that was castrated and thus... Then turned into a vampire, so doesn't go right. back. That would actually tie in then to what you see in this film, which is yeah, and, and it makes me wonder what they do in the remake that made me think. That is interesting. You know what I'm getting muddled up with? What? The Ring, and the book for the Ring, Ringu, the actual novel. Um, Sadako is a hermaphrodite. That's what it is. That's what. But aye, so that's why it looks strange because it's been, it's been. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, we we really need to stop fucking talking about this. We need to t- I stop. Unclean <laughs> we need to stop talking point. about small boycott getting chopped off. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Amongst many other things, <laughs> we need to stop talking about. 
Um, you know what the best thing about it is, is there going to be a sea of people who haven't got this far into the review that will be messaging me on Facebook saying, Castration! <laughs> Castration, Duncan! Duncan's got it wrong again. We're correcting it as we're going along. What are you talking about, Duncan? That's how they talk. Um, <laughs> his mum turns up at the door. Uh, he freaks out and she flies out the window to her room next door. Yeah. Um, next day, Yellow Snow is on the warpath for revenge. So he breaks into Ely's house, which is all in darkness. He finds her in the bathroom. She's built like some kind of nest thing in the bath. Mm-hmm. So she's all covered over to protect her from the daylight. Just as he's about to stab her in her sleep, prepubescent Baz bursts in brandishing his wee camping knife that we saw earlier. Uh, Yellowsnow stops and turns to face him. Ely jumps on his back and starts biting. Um, and after that, she tells Baz that he has to leave and she kisses him. Uh, cuts away to the mum, freaking out about where he's been. Completely fucking ignores her. <laughs> Bars his door and we see a taxi leaving her apartment. Oh, sorry, we see a taxi leaving and her apartment is empty. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, next day he's crying at the fucking window when the phone rings. It's the bully that tried to befriend, befriend him before and he's checking to see if he's going to some, like, I don't know, swimming gala slash lesson thing swimming. that night. Yeah. Uh, so it now looks like this is a trap being set by Connie and his big brother. Can't say that without doing an Admiral Ackbar. It's a trap. That's the way he speaks. He goes, it's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. See, there we go. Perfect. Is that now, better? That was, that was really good, actually. Thank you. You're very welcome. Um, the, bullies, the bullies distract the teacher by setting a fire outside. <laughs> Uh, leaving prepubescent Baz alone in the pool, then the heavy mob arrive. The big brother's tooled up. Yeah, this is uh, uh, Connie's big brother, so. Yes, yeah. Connie's big brother. He tells prepubescent Baz that if he can stay underwater for three minutes, he'll just kind of nick him with a knife. But if not, he's going to take an eye out in revenge for his brother's ear. Which is not the same. No, it's not the same at all. <laughs> not the fucking same at all. Um, he then holds Oscar under the water. The others kind of start to lose their bottle. And then just as it looks like Oscar's drowning, shit kicks off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, I love this bit because it's... It, this is all filmed under the water. Yeah. We're in the pool under the water and we can see Oscar in front of us being held under. And then you see things sort of start to break the surface, like feet being dragged through the water. Mm-hmm. And then it finishes with a severed head just landing in the water and sinking down. I think maybe an arm as well or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so you don't really see the carnage that's happening above, but you get it. it Obviously, it was done like this. Well, one, it's very visually striking, but also it saves you having to do all the effects of a, you know... Budgetary, yeah, it's 100% budgetary. Dismembering scenes, do you know what I mean? But brilliantly done. Mm -hmm. I've got to say, it's really, really great. 
because you do not think for a second or they've just done that to fucking save money. Do yeah. you know what I mean? It's great. I really, really loved that scene. Um, yeah, then the, the camera then is out the water and you see, you just see this sort of scene of devastation and carnage in the pool, dead fucking people everywhere. I think the weird little man boy girl thing is uh, just greeting. I think they escape yeah. Yeah. Uh, relatively unharmed. Um, it then cuts to the falling snow that we saw at the start and we see Oscar on the train. Ely's got a bit of, there's a big box next to him and Ely's in it and they're tapping fucking um, Morse code to each mm. other on the box and we're into the credits. So as you say, Duncan, this is this him taking on the mantle of the familiar. Yeah, but he point, doesn't know what Which I didn't really him. pick up on. I, I almost thought it was just Obviously, it was her fleeing and him going with her. Yeah. I didn't quite put the connection in that he was becoming the familiar, but it's kind of obvious. It's hinted, hinted, if not heavily implied, that this is her cycle. This is what she does. And the guy, the the previous, the previous familiar, the old guy had been with her since he was comparably about the same age and fell in love with her. And then... That love and need to, she needs that. She needs someone to love her to do all the things that that is required to make her like. She can't. She can't just feed on people because there's a risk of turning them, which is why he goes through the elaborate lens of draining a body to bring her blood. Because you don't ah. turn anyone that way, right? So I'm but, never sure about the rules of turning because they're different in every they, fucking they don't even, thing it, that you even watch. The fucking movies don't follow it because you're supposed to drink their blood to turn it. I, um, I think it's if you if you eat them but don't kill them, they turn. Um, but which is why that woman turns. It's not why the old. It's why the familiar dies because she pretty much drains them and then fucks them out a window. Um, but yeah, so like ultimately Oscar's fate is to essentially love and support and kill for her until he too will become an old man that she'll eventually drain and then move on to the next one. So it is this, on some level it's a kind of sweet ending, but in the background it is a deeply dark and sad, sad ending that he doesn't understand what he doesn't understand his fate because he's 12. Yeah. But she what does because she's done yeah. this before. And if she's 200 years old, she's done it a couple of times. So, yeah. and she's almost That's actually weird. very, very interesting. She's been grooming him pretty much from the start. Right. So, so the, like, his failure to get the blood the first time, Cohen's like, where he's like trying to drain the blood from the body and the dog shows up that won't fuck off. Is timed about exactly the same point as she starts making a connection with him. So she's already right, in at see. that point. So yeah, it's, it's a fucking like th- this is Baz, this is why I love this movie. But people don't care if I love it. What they care is if you loved it. So final yeah. thoughts on it. Let us know. Uh, right, it's a very unique take on the vampire genre. Mm-hmm. Um it's kind of interesting to see it through the eyes of children. Kind of on both sides, yeah. You know, as in they are the vampire, and also it's they're interacting with other children. Uh, beautifully shot, and uh, here is my wanky fucking <laughs> rose that I wrote. The setting of the movie has a bleak, 
almost Soviet grimness to it. That is at odds with the warmth and tenderness of the relationship developing between the two protagonists. You like that? Wow. I give you a tingle, son. I got a fucking full-on stoner. <laughs> Damn straight. Damn straight. I then ruined it by saying that some of the sexual overtones made me very uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, <laughs> due to the age of the characters. Hmm. So, and, that, and I suppose that's part of it as well, because like, it does... It, it, it keeps you very off kilter in the film. Yeah. Um, because there is definite sexual overtones in this film. Yeah. But the characters are very young. Uh, oh, it's just, it's, it's weird. And it makes you feel creepy and a bit dirty. And I think that's the whole fucking point of it. Well, yeah, well, especially when you get to the end. Cause that's, yeah, there's some, some that's very interesting juxtapositions, Duncan. Yeah, oh, I love it, I love it. Right, Baz, I couldn't agree more, by the way. I, I Duncan genuinely, loves a juxtaposition. I love a juxtaposition. And also, I love this movie. I think this is, it's scored very, very, very high on the summer series amongst, what, 15 podcast hosts? Um, yeah. And I do think it's arguably one of the best horror movies that came out in the 2000s. You know, that, just that, that 10 year period. It's, and it also ushers in a sea change from this point in vampire movies. After this one, you got movies like uh, Only Lovers Left Alive, Byzantium. Um, it's like there's a, a whole shift away from, well, vampires are men uh, that go around eating young women and, you know, all, all that Ooh. stuff isn't. It kind of changes shape, and it also showed that you could do. You mentioned it, like really incredible cinematography and filmmaking, um, without it necessarily feeling you're being shortchanged on the horror. Yeah, you know what I mean. But it's, it's that way where you don't need it. Like you say that the scene at the end in the swimming pool, there is a way to do that scene where it is so gratuitous and over the top and messy, but it's technically very difficult to do. Um, requires budgets, like a very good budget, or you opt to do it CGI, or you can do it this way, which gives you a, a really unique take on it, something that is unlike any other horror movie you've seen before, and actually, I would argue, is more effective. Yeah. So, yeah, I really, I really did love that final kind of yeah. main scene uh, in the movie. I thought it was really clever, well done. Yeah, and this dude has obviously went on to do like much bigger things after this. His movie that he did after this one is one that I genuinely love. Uh, me and Corinne went to see it in the cinema and Corinne fucking hated it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his follow-up movie was the movie adaptation of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. So, All right. Which, okay. once again, when you think about it, time period, setting, set design, yeah, storytelling, uh-huh. totally, totally fits. So, um, yeah. Is that set in East Germany? Uh, there's part of it set in East Germany and part of it set, set in London. It's got, right. like, the most ridiculous cast of any movie ever. It's like every everyone and their, their parents yeah. in that one. It's just like a sea of Oscar winners. Um, Baz, let's let's bring it in then for, for a nice, uh, nice landing here. Um... You're you're scoring pretty high this season thus far. Let's see if it continues through. Baz, what are you giving Let the Right One In? Um, Always thinking about it, ladies and gents. Come on. You know, I, I, I've been batting back and forward. I think... Oh, God, you want to see it? I'm giving it a four. What?! Yeah, four. 
Get off. I really liked it. Get off my fucking show. (laughs) 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 You get get off my show right now. A four. Listen to you, modest mouse. Ah, no, I'll take it. I'll take a really like. It's a five. I mean, it should be a five. It's a fucking day. <laughs> it doesn't get much. I, I was thinking about this. As vampire movies go, it doesn't get much better than this unless it is something like The Fucking Lost Boys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is a completely different movie. And I would argue yeah. that The Lost Boys doesn't age as well as this movie because 10 years after The Lost Boys came out, it looked painfully 80s. This ooh, movie's ooh. set in the 80s, but actually when you're sitting watching it, you know, cinematography, the way it's shot and all the rest, kind of feels timeless. So, um, yeah. Four, four out of five for the bears. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, it certainly is. Uh, it has a lot of re- rewatchability. I yes, think. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I do genuinely think I'll go back to this film quite a lot. I don't know if I'm going to dip my toe in the American one. I mean, it's the the, the, the probably the strongest point in that one is it says. It, is it not Chloe Grace Moretz? I think is she plays. She, she's the. I think she's the vampire in it. If memory serves, and it's an earlier role before she did the remake of Carrie, where she plays Carrie. And uh, there was a, yeah. a tight period there where, she, like, it was like we have a remake and we need a like a horror. See, I band. just think she's far too hot to play this. Well, she's Carrie, younger as you well. Know. Yeah, she's a lot younger, man. So yeah, I'm not saying she's twelve, but I don't think she was sixteen. <laughs> so right, just saying, just putting that out there, man. Um, right, so we have a four out of five for this one, ladies and gents. I know what you're thinking. That was a great review. Well, we're not done yet. We have another review still to come. We've got a Final Destination movie to tackle. To be precise, Final Destination 2. We're going to take a short break. Baz is going to curate some more music for your listening pleasure. When we return after the trailer for the movie, we will be getting into Final Destination 2. Coming right up right after this. Do it again. Don't count on me. 
Look at me. Oh my god. What did you see? There's gonna be a huge accident. Everybody's gonna die. Being alive after we were supposed to die it caused a rift in death's design. Which means death could be coming for us. I have this really bad feeling. It's not over yet. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So, this is your second movie. Um, <laughs> we're turning our attention to Final Destination 2. This is the franchise that Baz has chosen for the entire of Bazween. And uh, the second coming a mere three years after the hugely successful Final Destination 2. Baz, we've been joking four years about this one. Well, I say joking. You've been giving me around four years on this one in that when I'm on the motorway and I see one of these log lorries in front of me, I have a tendency to take a photo, post it to Facebook where, oh no, I can't get behind this one. A Final Destination 2 moment. And you're like that. Did you do that while fucking driving? And I'm like, uh, no. I know. Well, if, if anything is going to cause a motorway pile up with a long fucking truck, it's some cum dumpster behind him on his mobile phone. You know what I mean? <laughs> Trying to get close to get the humorous bumper sticker in as well. I, I honestly can't. I'd like every time I see it now, it's this movie's fault. It's been since, since before I could drive. Like, I've, this has been ingrained in my brain, Baz, like, that you don't... I'm, I'm fair guile, mate, it's 98% forest. We go to school in these things. <laughs> Honestly, we don't even have buses, they sit us on top of the logs, and then just fucking <laughs> pull up outside the school. <laughs> so, like, um, I'll be interested to see what your take on this is, because, uh, like I say, uh, to me, it's, it's one of those, like, very much like the first Final Destination movie has that... What's on a plane? Everyone goes on a plane. So, like, next time I go on a plane, I'm like, oh, no. And then this one, it's just something I've become acutely aware of that I probably wasn't aware of beforehand. Although, I will say, whilst the actual pile-up, the car pile-up, is based in fact, there was some similar, like, event on a, a USA highway somewhere. Um, I don't think... Well, I think that's basically where the comparisons stop. I don't think someone cheated death there and then it looked back together. Just saying that <laughs> might be the fabricated, but uh, I, I think they may have just made that up. Um, so, <laughs> let's 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 give some deets on this one. Final Destination 2, like I say, came three years after the first one. Uh, this one is directed by David R. Ellis, um, who appears to have a laundry list of <laughs> really interesting movies actually this guy's a like a proper proper director um and that uh, you know he's he did uh, things like wait for it you're gonna enjoy this uh he did snakes on a plane <laughs> don't you ever laugh at snakes on a plane uh he did the last final destination movie as well the final destination so we are gonna link back up with him uh, and he did Shark Night 3D, which I've never seen, uh, I've no. never heard of, but I weirdly think it might be a movie that you may appreciate. Just no probably these shit movies. Um, so it's set in Venice, <laughs> possibly. Um, if it's not one of watching it, uh, the screenplay here is uh, based on the G. Mackay Gruber, Eric Bress, and Jeffrey Reddick um, screenplay and story. 
These two guys hired him because they had done a movie called The Butterfly Effect. Oh, that's a great film. Well, yeah, well, these guys wrote that, so they were brought in to write this because they were like, the, get, get me the butterfly effect, guys. That's who I want. Yeah, yeah. So they, they're in here. Um, the cast, some familiar faces um, and some new faces. We have E.G. Cook. Uh, we have Ali Larter, which I'm fairly sure you're going to have fun with tonight. Bitcher! <laughs> Tony Todd's back. <laughs> in a completely different location in a completely different role and is basically Freddy Krueger in this <laughs> uh, Michael Landes who plays the, the police officer who's fucking far too attractive to be on camera oh, god yeah. this looking man uh, we have David Pactow uh, James Kirk who never has aged at all even as a kid um, he still looks as age as he does an adult which is weird uh, Linda Boyd Keenan Connor Tracy, Jonathan Cherry, Terence T.C. Carson, I think the T.C. might stand for Terence Carson. Um, <laughs> just guess. So that's Terence, yeah. Terence Carson. 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 Yeah, I think that's, I think that was going on there. Idiot! <laughs> God. Well, that's giving me the fucking rage. <laughs> Uh, some other people that's why are... I don't read credits <laughs> well I try not to but people want to hear me butcher names so that's why I'm here um, the synopsis for this one is Kimberly has a premonition of an accident killing multiple people including her and her friends she blocks the cars behind her on the ramp as a police tripper arrives the accident happens and death is stalking this group of survivors now Baz we're, go- we're going to get into this because um, yep. essentially this is a sequel a sequel yep. to a movie where death hunted people after one of them had a premonition about their impending doom yeah so we're going to come we're going to come at the sequel and like all sequels do we basically just remake the original because that's yes. that's the rule book the rule book is remake the original but make it bigger um Make, make the deaths more elaborate and try and put a spin on it uh, which this movie does all three of those things but it's whether or not it does it well that we're interested in so you sat down to watch Final Destination 2 the second we're only at movie number 2 in this 5 movie franchise so if you are already saying this is shit we, we have a long road to tow uh, let the listeners out there know what you made of Final Destination 2 strap in bitches <laughs> literally literally strap into your cars <laughs> there's, a uh... there's a scene in this where the <laughs> our, our, our character that has the premonition about everything that's going wrong complains about a lorry driver who's drinking beer whilst driving as being unsafe before then fixing her seatbelt in yeah, and I was like, oh, oh, the irony. Alanis Morissette is going to come here and write a song about this. Um, I can't, I, that's my premonition. Is there's a there's an Alanis Morissette album? Uh, right, let us know what you made of Final Destination Two. Oh, I want to fucking mock your songwriting abilities now. Um... Traffic jam when you're already late, and it's because. <laughs> Fucking logs have fallen off and impaled people. That's what the song's about. 
<laughs> it was her premonition, like, what, like, fucking nine years before the movie came out. True story, Buzz. True story. You've uh, had a lot of coffee today, haven't I've you? I've had so much fucking coffee today. I've been up since... <laughs> I, did a, I did one of those live 5Ks last night at half past 11 at night. Oh, um, yes, I saw. Yeah. I and, saw. And I was a sweaty mess after it, but absolutely fucking buzzing till about four o'clock this morning and then got up at about quarter to seven. So, yeah, I have... Uh, ca- caffeine, just in general, has been my friend today and copious amounts of it and I'm unsure that I'm going to sleep tonight either. Just going to carry it. I'm going to keep riding this wave, Baz, until I crash hard. <laughs> so... Right, talking of crashing hard... <laughs> Segway! Final Destination 2. A film I've not seen. Um... It, it's <laughs> what you said earlier on. The, what this actually reminded me of, because not not to ruin anything, because I'm I'm going to ruin this film anyway. So as you said, Final Destination, we already discussed. Set on a plane, mm-hmm. all to do with planes. This one is all to do with automotive transport, and all I kept thinking about was fucking speed. Remember when the speed came out on the bus? And everybody loved it. Keanu was cool as fucking. Who's her face was quite hot still at that point Sandra in time. Bullock, how dare you? Ah, the Bullock. Uh, and then they made Speed 2. On a cruise uh, Well, let's put this on a fucking... On a boat. Right, no, but that, that could still be quite fast. No, let's put it on a cruise liner. Yeah. Idiots. Stupid. Anyway. <laughs> Final Destination 2 opens with a news report on the one-year anniversary of the plane crash from the first movie. There's some... Asshole babbling about about death's grand design over the top of it. That's a term that gets used far too much in this fucking film. Oh yeah, death's grand design. He's got he's he's got Mm. he's got a plan. He's got it all worked out. And like the more you think about it, the more it just doesn't make sense. But don't think about it because that's what this movie doesn't want you think about, Baz. See, you think none none of it involves tits, so that's the fucking main problem with plan, as far as I can tell. Um. Some chick wakes up, tits completely covered. <laughs> the TV is now showing this news show that we'd heard in the opening kind of segments. Um, it then cuts to her the next day and she's packing a car like to go on spring break or, or something like that, mm-hmm. right? This is our main character. Her name is Kimberly. And... Nothing against the actress uh, at all. Uh, but she is so generically bland <laughs> that I am going to call her Kimberly all the way through this fucking review. <laughs> Which I'm not sure I've ever done before. I literally could not come up with a nickname for this girl. She was so inoffensive in all ways. Yeah, she's she's the least urgent character in a movie which desires and requires yeah. urgency throughout its entirety. I'm trying to picture her in my head just now, and I can't. <laughs> right. There was a, a wonderful comic book written by Alan Moore before he turned into a vaguely fascist was fucking it? Mason hater. And... Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> called The Ballad of Halo Jones. It was regarded as the world's first kind of feminist comic. Mm-hmm. Certainly the first feminist hero in a, in a comic. It was written for 2000 AD. And there is a character on that, the the second series of uh, Halo Jones, was set, funnily enough, on a cruise liner thing, but like a big spaceship one. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it was in that series, and there was a character who had... And that this was before transitioning was as in vogue as it is these days, right? But they, they basically transitioned from being a a girl mm-hmm. or, or a, a, a female of whatever her race was to to the male, and then she transitioned back and then back again. And this happened; she did that, or the the, the being did this so many times that they essentially lost all identity, and people didn't even know when they were in the room. Okay. That's what Kimberly's like. <laughs> you wondered where I was going with that one, didn't you? I've, I've managed to write here she looks slightly like Elizabeth Moss, but when I watched this film the second time, I disagree with that. I'd, like a really, really low rent from a distance. Maybe. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm discarding that, that analogy. <laughs> However, while she's packing the car, her much hotter pal turns up. And, and we're going to, she's like a, an Appalachian Christina Aguilera. <laughs> this is this is the Christina Aguilera that the neo-Nazis could have got on board with. Because mm. there's no trace of that Latina undertow that Christina likes to rock. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. She's a bit more straight up and down at the back. Yeah. And uh, I'd imagine she's got a very Nordic sounding name. <laughs> So that's uh, that's Appalachian Aguilera, like, which is some some reason naturally took to goose stepping. We don't know how. This is. I thought initially that my my nickname game wasn't on forum in this episode, but having gone through it again, it really is. So that's Appalachian Aguilera. <laughs> Appalachian Aguilera, which is unfair because it like that that is a really good nickname for a character that shares not a lot of screen time. <laughs> She looks like, if any of you remember those little blonde twins that became the darlings of the neo-Nazi uh, folk music boom in the early noughties, they've now completely recanted all their Nazi views. They, they, they were quite famous in the early days of YouTube and that, they were interviewed. I think, uh, what's his name that does all the interviewed the Westboro Baptist Church and all that, Louis Theroux, I think oh, he right. might have met them. Um, and their parents were fucking Nazis and they were just exploiting these two little blonde lasses. They had little smiley face t-shirts with a little black square just above the, the, the mouth of oh, the fucking no. uh, the smiley face to make it look like a little Hitler emoji. Oh, no. They don't do that anymore. Anyway, Appalachian Aguilera does look a little bit like one of them. Right. Anyway, moving on. They, um, they, they wind Kimberly's dad up a little bit about getting poked fucking senseless, basically. Um, and then they, then they leave in the thing and the camera pans down and there's a little puddle of what I thought was brake fluid in the drive, but it turns out to be something called transmission fluid, which I don't think's even a real thing. I think it's, is it not just maybe the same thing? I don't like it. You know what the Americans are like? Sidewalk. And Gasoline. Up. Yeah, like pish. Just call call what it's called. Stop changing things to try and make them sound better than they are. We next see them queuing to join on a motorway. 
Mm-hmm. They've now got two dudes in tow in the back. Who are punching Wait. above their fucking weight. Oh, wildly. Wildly. One is just a fat stoner kid <laughs> who I'm fairly sure went on to star in the NCIS. Maybe. Although age drastically. <laughs> so, but that with the drugs. He, he's accompanied by uh, a pre-Avril Derek Wibley of some 41. <laughs> so before... Uh, before before he Avril, hit the drugs. <laughs> yeah, before Avril the succubus devoured the soul. <laughs> and we, we witnessed that tragic fall from grace. Are you still blaming Avril Levine for that? Oh, yeah, yeah. She literally sucked the soul out of that boy. You seen the set of Chad Kroger for Nickelback these days? Fuck! Absolutely fucked. Your man Moss Deaf or whatever, he'll be on the same road as well. <laughs> yep. Yep. That green hair, that's not dye. That's radiation poisoning from Levine. The Chernobyl of the music industry, is that what She's a monster. <laughs> She's a monster. bang her into a wheelchair but she's still a fucking monster <laughs> um <laughs> right so we'll get we'll get pre-avril derek wibbly um he, he, he also looks like a pre-avril derek wibbly of some 41 being played by the boy davidson from uh snl pete davidson oh yeah he's yeah, yeah. banging ariana grande for a while yep which was in itself was weird he looks like his it, face is melted. Yeah, but I also think um, if you do a little bit of research online, I find him very, very funny, but most of the stories online um, is that he's packing, like, a Tommy Lee dick, if you know what oh, I mean. Oh, does he? Yep. I knew there would be a fucking reason. Which I think is maybe why he's he's doing quite well, because he's funny and he's got a big dick. I think well, he's he's kind of funny. I think he's very funny. <laughs> oh, I think you've been generous there, but okay. It's unfair to have both, and I think genetics should be designed in some way that you're either very, very funny and not equipped with like a monster dick, or equipped uh, with a monster dick but have a personality so shit that basically all you're good for yeah, is writing. Yeah, basically you have to show them it. You have to yep. literally walk about with it hanging out. Well, yes. Used I'm like very, a... I'm very tedious, but can you see this? Yeah, you'd be used as a human dildo, and that is yeah. literally it. So one or the other, but apparently he is both. So yeah, I don't know why we're talking about. <laughs> Ain't easy being the full package, big man. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave that there. <laughs> Back at the on ramp, a bag lady startles them. Uh, and we then we get this kind of series of uh, visuals that are clearly set up to then re- be recreated because we're basically about to get the whole premonition yeah. s- slash reality that we had on the plane with young Simon for the in-betweeners not less than a week ago um, so they pass a football team on a bus a fucking douchebag in a Trans Am goes past. Yep. Chick on a motorbike flashes the fat stoner. So I, I take this back. Death's plan does include one very fine pair of surgically enhanced tatas. Very surgically enhanced. 
Yes. Because yeah, they, they are they traveling. Don't even move in the wind. I was about to yeah. say they're traveling. They should be like at our side. Norm, normal tits would be at 45 degrees <laughs> by this point. Do you know what I mean? These things are fucking on point. Yeah, the nipples are chatting up with the fucking wind going. <laughs> anyway. Um, cop car appears behind them. They nearly hit a logging truck. Hold on to that, because we're going to need to remember that. Um, fat stoner guy lobs his joint into some leaves that are stuck in the radiator of a... I've described it here as a hot business ball buster. Yeah. I think I just call her office hottie later on. <laughs> She's in this quite a bit. Uh, their engine light comes on. There's a pregnant chick riding a minivan, doing a motorbike. Called him Street Hawk, but I don't think he actually comes back in. Do you remember Street Hawk? No. No. It was it was a kind of cheesy rip-off of Night Rider. Alright. But the guy had a fancy motorbike instead of a fancy car. Street Hawk it was called. Would be very good. Airwolf was better. I loved it. Jean Michael Vincent. There's another fucking boy that time wasn't the kind to. You seen him? Now he's got one leg. Yep. Yep. Poor old Jan Michael. I think he might be dead now, actually. God rest you, Jan. <laughs> you look like a fucking vagrant in those last few years, mate, so it's probably a blessing. Um... Oh, then there's a trucker drinking beer that you mentioned, uh, yep. and we have a, a cokehead uh, doing blow at the wheel of his car. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's my second favourite nickname in this whole fucking review. He is Phony Montana. <laughs> Like Tony Montana. I got it. From Scarface. I got it. But he's not real. So I've used the word phony because it rhymes with Tony. Let that one sink in. Oh dear. Hey, the cop spills his coffee and the lumber truck loses a chain. Logs break free. Hitting the cop and they're just running your shit goes south. There is some fucking great visuals in this. The cop, it's like the the log bounces on the road. Yeah. Up to about fucking windscreen height, and then it comes through, like punches through the obviously the front windshield and then the back one. But it's the fucking red mist that comes out the back way oh, as yeah. well. Yeah. Gotta admit, that was really cool. There's quite there's quite a lot of very decent kills in, in this whole uh Sort of scene yep. here at this point. This is this is the whole like, like the, the plane exploding basically scene that we got in the first movie. Uh, Kimberly's car it gets flipped. Um, she's left kind of watching like multiple deaths, like, multiple scenes of people dying while she's trapped, unable to get out, um, including one guy kind of burning to death in front of her, and then um, about like a big, I think it's actually like a car transporter. That's right, yeah. It, it comes out through the flames and, and just like piles into them and fucking it's game over. And then Kimberly snaps out of it and we're back at the motorway junction again. So this is the pre... She's now had the premonition. So then, of course, everything starts to play out like before. We have Crazy Bag Lady turns up. Um, she then starts to panic. Um, and everybody's like, fucking hurry up, go. It's green light kind of thing, you know. And instead, she then pulls her car around and blocks the junction so that nobody can get onto it. The cop from earlier, uh, he then approaches her. Um, 
and a lot of the characters that we saw in the premonition, we now see them stacked up in this queue behind her. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there is quite a lot of sliding drugs down pants at this point as well, because <laughs> there's a cop wandering about. Um, cop comes over to ask what the fuck is going on and probably extort a hand job, I would imagine. <laughs> um, she just, she's kind of going on about the, the crash. You know, there's going to be a crash, blah, blah, blah. He's trying to calm her down as the logging truck goes past she then starts going fucking mental and then there's just this huge explosion because everybody turns around. Surprisingly all... quick, considering yes. after we drove off that, we were driving for a good yeah. couple of minutes before the logs. This time it happens instantly, Baz. No yeah. fucking around. Hour and a half. Kapow! Let's do this, Boom! Bitch. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we see all this fucking carnage unfolding in the motorway and obviously they've all been saved from it. Um, the cop, he goes back to call it in. She's standing there, and then he comes running over and pulls her out of the way just as the big car transporter plows in to uh, to the car she was in, killing her three friends, including Appalachian Aguilera. And that's the end of that fucking awesome nickname. <laughs> on, my fucking skills are wasted on this fucking movie. <laughs> um, Later at the cop station, for some reason, they have decided to gather all of these survivors together in one room. Just just these particular ones. Yeah, just to talk about what happened, basically. Um, that I've just written here, they're inexplicably being held for questioning. Uh, so we have, so there's Kimberly. Yep. There is a character who I was initially calling Black Panther. Not because of the Marvel character, but because of the Black Panther movement, because he's got quite a kind of Black Power mm-hmm. kind of vibe going on. And then I changed it because the guy looks like he fucks. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He looks like he lays pipe. So we're going to call him Malcolm Sex. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's number three. And this fucker's still alive. <laughs> so we Kimberly. We've got Malcolm Sex. We got Phony Montana. We've got the Trans Am Tosser. <laughs> We've got Single Milf and Teenage Duck Bag. And we've got the Office Hottie. I know that is not the most woke collection of character names you have ever heard. Oh, but that's what we're going, mate. You come for the fucking badge, you don't come for the fucking equality. <laughs> so good. <laughs> How good is Malcolm Sex, though? That's Malcolm just fucking Sex brilliant. Fucking, uh, why, why there isn't a porno parody um, <laughs> of Malcolm X but Malcolm Sex, where he's, he's just fisting folk with a fist he lifted up for power. Oh! Um, God damn, we need to make that film. We could, like, see, it's like... <laughs> My wife won't let me. No. See, the more I think about it, the more I said it. Yeah. And then I immediately thought, my wife will kill me yep. if I, I try I want and make to make film. a movie with Duncan. That sounds like a great idea. What's it called? Yeah. It's called Malcolm Sex. It sounds a bit risky. What's it about? Well, it's a kind of parody of the movie Malcolm X. But in this one, he fists folk. It's mostly fisting. Mostly fisting, yeah. Just a lot of fisting yep. and birds with big gapes. Yeah. We, we did, it's we at did. that point they should start hitting me. 
Yeah, and there has to be at some point a reference to Plymouth Cock as opposed to Plymouth Rock. This is writing itself now. <laughs> it is literally fucking writing itself, Duncan. God damn. I take back my rather mean comments about your songwriting ability earlier on. Because if your songs are as half as good as your script writing, son, we are sitting on a veritable mountain of gold. <laughs> Honestly. Zog the sexy dragon or something like that. <laughs> top a mount, top a mountain of porn gold. <laughs> what about the old OnlyFans, eh? What a shower of cunts. Dude, like, listen, listen. That's like, I, like, obviously this dates are recording, but uh, where we yeah, record, yeah, it does. Oh, I don't know, I'm saying that it comes into effect in October, so I mean, it's probably current right now. But yeah, topical. I mean, I think, like, personally, I uh, I think it's a silly thing to do. But obviously, they want a lot of financial investors investing in their company, and those people don't like tits. Yeah. So, and, and their company won't exist in about five months' time, so really, it's fucking ball or move, boys. I told, you know what I mean? I told you, like, I used to use... Um, I used to use uh, Tumblr all the time. Tumblr was fucking amazing, because Tumblr was just full of porn. Uh, it was mm. a quick way of streamlining what you wanted and following people that posted like loads and loads of smut. And um, they done away with it. They they had an algorithm done away with all like adult content. And I think, it, if memory serves, I think there was like an article or something that said within like a four month period, um, their usership, like 75% of their usership just stopped using it. So yeah. it wasn't just me. Do you know what that article was called, Duncan? What? <laughs> Tumblr makes a thumbler. <laughs> That was a, uh, that's a wee sports ball, ball reference there for you, sir. And porn. There you go. Right. <laughs> doing this right whiskey's now. really strong. <laughs> right. Um. <laughs> right, right, so we've got that. Right, so there's all the people there, right? You can porn mm-hmm. aside. Um, and then Kim says that what happened to her was the same as what happened to the hapless Simon from the Inbetweeners on Flight 180, which, as we know, is the first movie. Yeah. Big Malcolm Sex then recaps Flight 180 to the single MILF and her adolescent child mm-hmm. because they don't know about it. Um, the cop then reveals that only Ali with the Glorious Farter survived, <laughs> and but she's now in a padded cell. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting here, what the fuck then happened to Simon? Because mm-hmm. at the end, we had Ali Farter, Simon for the Inbetweeners, and Dawson's Creek. Yep. We assume Dawson's Creek died yes. with the, the swinging sign at the end, which would leave Ali Farter and Simon. Mm-hmm. We do find out in a very nondescript way. I can only imagine he fell out with the fucking directors of this hard because... I, I they don't know. barely make an effort to explain why he's not in this movie. I've got, and I'm going to do the research while we're while we're on this. I get a sneaky suspicion. Like I told you at the time, like uh, Devin Sauer looked like he was going to become the next big the thing. The next big thing, yeah, yeah. I wonder if it's a case of don't get typecast. You know what I mean? Like don't, like don't yeah. do it. Um, so let's see what he did. Uh, in there around 2000. So <clears throat> here we go. <clears throat> 
in 99 he did Idle Hands. This is already coming off the back that he was he is Casper in that Casper movie, by the way. The ghost thing? Yeah, the ghost when they make him a boy, he is the boy, but he does the voice of Casper as well. But he was in uh, Idle Hands, they did Final Destination. In fact, he was busy in 2000. They did Final Destination, a movie called The Guilty, which I've not seen. He is Stan in the Eminem video. Uh, where they do it, the music. Oh, video. yeah. That's him. Um, and he is in. Interestingly enough, he was doing a TV show um, in 2003. He was doing the Spider Man TV show where he played a character. Is this a cartoon? Must be a cartoon. Yeah, it must be. Anime. Yes, yeah, an animated thing. He was doing a voice performance of that. And. Not a lot, actually. So I don't know if this is a case of he's told not to be typecast. I reckon, and I would put cold hard cash down on this, that it was, we want you to return for this movie. And he was like that, pay me. And they were like, no. Like, I bet you his agent was like that, hold out for a a larger sum of money because that movie did really well. And what they went to was Ali Larter, who clearly had less of a figure <laughs> so, yeah. and the writers did the smart thing in that they just wrote him out I'm fairly sure he was just mouth full of fucking Weinstein balls <laughs> I reckon that's what was going on maybe a tragic choking accident <laughs> a big sweaty old man boys right oh, anyway fuck. we cut away um but, but after this, so Kim's home with her dad and she tells her dad that she doesn't think this is over, so she's already anticipating this state of deaths that's come. Yeah. We see the Trans Am tosser. and he's going into his apartment with a load of new stuff, including... Was it the iMac? He's, this yeah. is... I swear to God, this is fucking Alanis Morissette. Is it? There's a lyric about a lottery winner who boards a plane and dies the next day. Ah, uh, yeah, so there is. So there is. I swear did he buy an iMac? Well, I, I don't think he did, but, but this, <laughs> I think this movie this movie did very careful placement of Apple products back in yeah, 2013. Really goddamn did. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, so it turns out he'd won the lottery the day before. Yeah. Um, so he starts to do some topless cooking. I don't know how many times I need to say that's a fucking terrible idea. Anyway, our old, our old friend the satanic wind pipes up. Yep, he's having fun. Blows a magnet into some Chinese food, mm-hmm. which he then microwaves. Uh, he drops a ring down the garbage disposal you, you, you've chute. Missed, you've missed one of one of my favourite, like, it's weird that we're focused on that. Let's purge it from my memory entirely. He's He has a frying pan which has what looks like Spaghetti. Yeah, which he launches out the window and it lands on the, the kind of alleyway below. The alleyway below. And then you clear that from your memory because every, everything else that's happening, but you might want to just remember there's some spaghetti yes. on the ground. It does come back to haunt you. Check off spaghetti, Baz. Check off spaghetti. <laughs> um, he drops a ring down the garbage disposal. He then reaches down after it. His hand gets stuck because he's wearing a big massive Rolex. Uh, First world problems. In the meantime, the pan goes on fire. The microwave starts exploding. 
I think he kicks something over and basically the whole fucking fucking starts going up in flames. He flips over the already on flames frying pan on yeah. his floor, which apparently is just the worst floor. It's just covered in fucking everything, which uh, obviously it's disgusting. Yeah. Um, it's good. This is quite humorous at this point. It has to be said because it's like everything that could go wrong is going wrong to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. Um, he manages to get his hand free, and then just as he's trying to escape, all the windows slam shut. So he smashes his way out onto the fire escape, just as the whole thing explodes. He then narrowly escapes dying on a kind of collapsing fire escape. Lands in the alley. He makes some comment at this point about being lucky. You know, yep. how fucking lucky was that? He then slips in the aforementioned spaghetti. A ladder drops, the one he was on, stops about six inches away from his face. Um, and again, he makes some fucking... I think it's maybe then he's like, oh, how lucky was that? And then it drops and basically goes right through his face, which wouldn't have happened. No. From about six inches away, he'd have been like that. Oh, my fucking eye! Yep. Do you know what I mean? But this Work, thing just goes the right worst case, he has to wear a patch. Yep. That's Maybe it. some corrective surgery. That's fucking it. And he can afford that. That is it. Although yep. not with Americans' medical bills. He probably yep. couldn't. That, that lot of money's gone. Or alternatively, had there been pigeon shit on the ladder and that got his eye, nasty fungal infection. Right? Yeah. But it would not puncture his head like a fucking... That thing they used to kill fucking coos <laughs> in the slaughter house, which is exactly what happens. Like a bolt gun. Uh, so, so we've had about a hundred false scares, and then we have them killed, which is what Final Destination is all about. So I'm not oh, going yes. to slag it off too much. It's kind of it's trope, and that's okay because it does it quite well. Yeah, Death likes uh, to have a little fun with it, does. He does. He likes. Oh, he's a fucking. He's a saucy monkey. Not my best analogy, but there we go. <laughs> Talking on the hoof. Uh, the cop is, um, he's researching the, the survivors of Flight 180, and it's then that we see a newspaper report stating that hapless Simon from the Inbetweeners was killed by a falling brick. brick of all things to die And I've by. just written, underwhelming. Yeah, it really is, considering all his friends died in the most horrific, over-the-top stage deaths mm. ever. It just kind of feels like death was sitting going... Maybe I'm overthinking this. Maybe I should just yeah. do the old Home Alone 2 and throw a brick off yeah. the top of a building. Oh, Fuck him right in the face with a brick. <laughs> Look, it worked. Why didn't I do this before? Could I save myself a lot of energy and time? <laughs> I wish you were deaf. <laughs> I think you'd be amazing at it. I think I would be. <laughs> it'd be very practical. Have a you would, you would, and I bet you would do it from home. <laughs> 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 Do that on your peloton, eh? Fucking big 5k. Send him off to Afghanistan. <laughs> Promoting in. That's a very poorly timed joke, has to be said. Uh, well, it might be all over by the time this episode yeah. is out. Apologies to everybody in Afghanistan. Not that you'll be fucking be able to hear this anymore with the Taliban in place. No, Do you know what I mean? Like, unless we're yeah. the only thing that makes it through. Your, uh, your podcasting days are long over. <laughs> um, yeah, we see the survivors watching a news report about the crash that they've been in, and it's then followed by a report on Trans Am's death. 
Uh, and there's a, a plethora of looks of fearful realisation. Um, Kim gets woken up by the, the tree from Poltergeist, <laughs> which is making shadow puppets on her ceiling. She uh, she hops onto her laptop, an Apple Mac. Yeah, which we uh, focus right on that Apple symbol for an uncomfortably long time. Yeah. Um, I assume she jumped on it for a wee sly lady wank. Um, but she ends up looking at articles about Ali Farter, which confirms my lazy bobber hypothesis at this point. Tragically did not come to fruition, but still there. I bet, I bet found out that Ali with the Glorious Farter's real name in the movie yeah. is Clear Rivers. Yes. Not Clear. No, it's Clear. Clear. Yes. Clear rivers. Yeah, as in, like, I can What the fuck? I thought you knew that. No. No, because when Americans say it, it sounds like clear. Are you feeling like you've missed the opportunity for an entire episode of humour that we didn't get in favour of farter jokes? Honestly, it is the worst name I have ever heard. And I went to school with an American girl called Misty Waters. That's true. That is actually fucking true. And if I had known that this was, I would have slagged that lassie off a lot less. Eh. Anyway, stupid name aside, Kim decides she's got to go and visit her at the institution. Eh. While there, a nurse makes her remove everything that could possibly cause harm. Um, And we then find out that Ali is in there voluntarily. Doesn't make any sense to me, by the way. Like, can you just do this? Uh, well, I think you can. Yeah, I mean that was one of the the main premises in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I, but I, I understand Nicholson's that. character yeah. finds out that um, oh, I can't even remember the character's name, Billy Bob or whatever it fucking is. The, the wee shy guy. Yeah, is actually in there voluntarily, as are most of the inmates. Yeah, but I don't, what my, this is the thing that I don't like. Was she loaded? Like, someone um, has to foot the bill for that, and it's America, yeah. so the state ain't, ain't footing the bill for this. They ain't giving you shit, son. So she's been in there for, what, like, six months or something like that, like, on her own dime? Yeah. And she can just go whenever she wants, but she chooses not to, in the most elaborate fucking room that's ever been created in the history of padded cells. I mean, this is well, next fucking level, Baz. And I'm going to come on to that. All right, sorry. <laughs> um... <laughs> I've, I've, re- I've written here <laughs> that uh, she's in room B109. Yes. Right? And on the door, the B is at the top and the numbers 109 are underneath it. Yep. And I've written here, oh, I know where this is going. Turned out I didn't because what I thought was going to happen was the door would get shut, the B would fall down in between the one and the nine knocking the zero. No, yep. sorry, between the one and the zero, yep. knocking the nine off the door, and it would make it 180, mm-hmm. which would be flight 180. They missed a fucking trick there. They did miss it. I, I just assumed it was like a Boeing, like Boeing 109, isn't that a plane? I don't know. I don't know. I actually don't think it is a reference to anything because it wasn't in the It's trivia. not. It's not. The trivia, and I've only realised that as I was reading my notes here. Yeah. <laughs> wish I wish I just omitted it to be quite frank. 
I mean, it's it's failing on multiple levels now. If it makes you feel any better, uh, Kimberly's surname is Corman after Roger Corman because we love to reference other people. So there you go. Okay. Okay. Um, (laughs) Does that character now seem a bit more memorable to you, Baz? Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. (laughs) Um, Inside the padded cell... We, we see that Ali Farter has gone like full Pepe Sylvia yep. to throw in uh, It's Only Sunny in Philadelphia or okay. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia even uh, we Charlie Day going fucking mental because she or somebody that doesn't want anything in the room that can get there's an awful lot of red twine yep. joining fucking scribbled notes which I presume were put up with fucking safety pins <laughs> anyway She's still babbling on about fucking death's list and the order of deaths and all this. Uh, and she, she's looking all kind of smug and goth until uh, Kim points out that in her premonition, her friends died last, but did in fact die first in real life. Yeah. And oh, and this, this sends her fucking spiraling. Um, but then she, she has some kind of revelation about, oh, everything's happening in reverse. Mm. Um, Which is the twist that I mentioned at the start. You do, oh, you do your stunning. sequel. You do something. You have fun with it. You have a little twist on it, and the twist in this one is is working in reverse, Baz. It's working in reverse, and it's in cars. <laughs> um, she tells Kim to watch out for the signs. They have a bit of a fucking argument. Um, Kim basically says she, she's already dead, which is ironic and hurtful in equal measure. Uh, Officer Dewey turns up at fucking Kim's house. Um, he's been getting calls all day since the report of Trans Am's death. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're going to get together with everybody to figure out what's going on. Um, he mentions that he was called in to clean up one of the survivor kills in the first movie. Yep. Kim gets a vision of birds attacking. So is it, this is the thing that kind of confuses me about this one because they keep talking about follow the signs, right? Mm. Kimberly isn't getting signs; she's getting premonitions. Yeah, she's getting flashes. Yeah, which is that's another difference in this one is she seems to be clued in a little bit more than our our hatless friend from the first movie was. Yeah, almost instantly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like from the very beginning, she knows exactly what is happening. Um. <laughs> An hour so, and a half, Baz. We have an hour and a half in this movie. <laughs> so we get like everything goes much quicker. We don't have time to rediscover things here. It's like we, there's no origin story this about, time. Let's just get in it. Um And she, she then says that single MILF and Dime Store Cody Feldman. I, I, I was calling him Teenage Dirtbag, but then I noticed how much he looks like the Fell Dog. So he's Dime Store Cody Feldman. Uh, they are next on death's list and that birds are somehow going to kill them. Mm. Ali Farter has a crisis of conscience, goes all Sarah Connor on her ass. Yeah. Uh, I believe that's from a film called Terminator, which I have never seen. <laughs> you fucking arsehole. Yes. <laughs> Such a dick. <laughs> never seen it. Never will after watching Commando. <laughs> Dime Store Feldman is at the dentist with his mum, despite the fact he's clearly in his early 20s. Uh, the fish tank from finding Nemo malfunctions in the dentist's office <laughs> and springs a leak. Honestly, they should have sued the shit out of Pixar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, springs a leak. Outside the window, there's a huge sheet of glass getting moved by a crane. 
bird flies into the window, dentist shits himself, <laughs> he then sets Feldman up on the old laughing gas. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside in the waiting room, his mum narrowly a- avoids it, electrocution at the hands of a satanic water spill. <laughs> uh, Dime store Feldman nearly chokes on a plastic fish. To be quite frank, I can't even be bothered explaining the circumstances around that. Needless to say, he doesn't die. He saved it at the last minute. Um, him and his mum leave. Out in the street, though, Kim and the cop are running towards them, screaming about fucking pigeons. Dimestore Feldman decides to scare a flock of pigeons once again, despite the fact he's about 20. <laughs> They then fly into a crane operator who drops the glass on him. Yeah. Never been so happy to see a young boy die in all my fucking life. <laughs> um, there's quite an amusing squashing effect when yeah. the, the, the glass lands on him. Um, back at Kim's house, Big Ali Farter turns up looking all fucking 90s hot, ready to take on death. <laughs> or, or a robot from the future. I don't fucking know. Uh, you go to see Candyman, who apparently is now living in a mausoleum. He, he literally it, is a character from a Vincent Price movie. He's yeah. like, this 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 furnace. He's also been demoted to a janitor. I've noticed. Yep. This this fur- like when we saw him last, he was suited and booted, a mortuary. Like what what what? I don't even think it was in a was it in a mortuary or was it in a funeral home? It was a funeral home, and he looked like he fucking owned the place. Yes. Well. Time has not been kind in the last year. Probably scared off all the customers talking about death's design. Um, so he now works in as a crematorium. It's like, like this is where, we're, but it's like it is literally a dungeon. This is like, yeah. like it's all like fucking it's underground. He is he is black lies that shags deep folk. That is what he has turned into. <laughs> that, that that that's a throwback that, for the OGs yeah. amongst the listeners. Uh, go back and check our loved ones. Loved no, ones. Uh, no, yeah. it was necromantic. Necromantic. No, it was loved ones. Was it? No. Oh no. Although no. for context, it, it was necromantic, which was the follow-up. Yeah. For context, to listen to the loved ones episode first to get the backstory. And then yeah. listen to Necromantic, and you will hear all about Les that shags deep, deep folk. Um, listen to the person. outtakes, like actual listen to the outtakes at the end because they're fucking hilarious. But yeah, <laughs> like so he's but he's in there, but he is full Candyman now. Yeah, you yeah, know he's fucking mean? mental. It's like the the brought back. They're obviously like that. What what makes a Final Destination movie? Well, Ali Lauter is a key component. Like Deathwind yeah. is a, a clear component. Yeah. And Tony Todd. And like I see, this is not the last time that you will either see or hear him in the yeah. franchise. He will eventually take over like voice credit. Actions. And one, once you've mixed that little concoction together in your cocktail shaker, throw in a hefty dash of fucking nipple torture. Because for some reason, he's, he's basically wheeling Trans Am tosser about on a gurney. Yep. And very callously removes his nipple ring with a pair of fucking pliers. That's kind of twist at first. How many times do they fucking flick back to the nipple before he whips it off? Yeah. What a piece of shit. I think it's just to make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Then he cremates the body. (laughs) Nonchalantly, it has to be said. He throws it like a a Domino's employee throws a pizza in an oven. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's about as hygienic. <laughs> um, and he, he then tells them that only new life can defeat death. So I think we should have known. Poor Simon for the in between us probably wish you'd fucking tell them that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> At a gas station, Kim has a vision of a car going into water. Um, and, and for some reason which escaped me this then makes her realise that if they can save the pregnant chick that was on the on-ramp yeah. this will defeat death's plan well she was supposed to die thus killing the baby yeah no no I get I get all that yeah. but what it was about the fucking the vision of getting into the water that triggered that oh, right, because she was you know, she, like she like they were trying to track back that the person that was driving this was driving a white van and right, okay. the copper remembered that the person that was driving the white van on that day was a pregnant woman. Right, okay. That's, and to be honest, we, we, it's, it's all bullshit anyway. But yeah, it's fairly just, tenuous. We're just doing anything we can here. Uh, the cop manages to then ID the pregnant bird's van from video footage. How about you just skimmed crash. over the, the, <laughs> the, the teenager who's smoking... Beside the, the one that Ali Latter slaps him in the back of the head, gives him a row, and he basically tells her to suck his junk. Biatch. Biatch. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I hate white kids. I really, really, really do. Um, <laughs> suck my junk, Biatch. <laughs> that happens as well. Yep. Um, the survivors get together for their meeting. Uh, poor old depressed single Milf is convinced that she's next after her son. Imagine dragging her to that meeting the day yeah, her son was crushed by glass. Cut her some fucking slack. Kim then hands out some fucking very old cell phones. Um, <laughs> and the, the, her plan at this point is that after each premonition, she'll phone them and go like that. I don't know, fucking watch out for otters. I seen an otter. Literally, what Careful. she says she's gonna do, she's like that. If I phone you up and say subway, make sure you're like above ground. Yeah, go to the top of a skyscraper. Yeah. Fuck off, Kimberly. That sounds like an awful lot of work, Ken. <laughs> um, Big Malcolm Sex is very skeptical about this whole thing. Uh, until he stands, until he stands on a pool ball and is nearly decapitated by a canoe. Again, can't really be fucked explaining how, but that happens. <laughs> So they, they then try to safe-proof the cop's apartment. Single Mill basically doesn't know where to live anymore. Um, Malcolm Sex, he just heads out because he don't give no fucks. Yeah. Uh, phony Montana narrowly avoids death in a cupboard. Um, <laughs> it's a dangerous cupboard, though. There's it really, it really is. So, ah, uh, and blades and everything. So again, right... Why bother hanging that thing up in there? Yeah. Just, you know, just drop it and shut the door really quickly. <laughs> anyway, I... I'm going to move, I'm going to move on. Um, he then s- claims to be able to see a man with hooks in a shadow on the floor again. It's more of the shadow puppetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> however, coincidentally... Malcolm Sex and the single MILF are in a lift with a guy carrying a box of artificial limbs with hook hands. Now, now you're laughing because he does something here that's creepy as fuck. When he has a wee smell at her. <laughs> a prolo- no wee smell. A prolonged smell, Baz. 
think you'll find that us aficionados call it a wee smell Duncan, okay? <laughs> he's t- it's just harmless fun. He's two steps away from being multiple minks and fucking Silence of the Lambs with, I can smell your cunt. You're talking to the guy that threw up on a complete stranger on a fucking train, don't well, you? Yeah. What if it looks back yeah, to me? I, I am, I am. <laughs> I'd have probably licked her neck. <laughs> um... <laughs> Through a tra- tragic ponytail snagging incident. Oh no, they phone her to tell her. They phone her to give her like the heads up as well to the north. Yeah. She answers the phone and they're like that man with the a man with hooks. And of course she panics. <laughs> um Yeah, so through a tragic ponytail snagging incident, she gets decapitated by an elevator. Yeah. Malcolm Sex just loses his shit. He ain't playing this. Gets a gat. And he tries to shoot himself, and the gun misfires six times in a row. Now, you imagine how... it wasn't his time. Disappointing Halloween 2 would have been if we Donny P was running about the place saying, I misfired six times, six yeah. times, six times. Yeah. <laughs> I got my gun shite. <laughs> oh, dear. The Scooby gang head out to find the pregnant chick. She's in the lock-up. Because the cop arranged her to have her picked up on a trumped up charge to keep her safe till they can get there. I mean, the police However, are her evil as fuck. Corrupt to the motherfucking core. <laughs> Defund the police. Then your family can get raped and murdered at fucking well and there's nobody to help. <laughs> That's a fucking great idea. Anyway, <clears throat> not going to get into all that. <clears throat> um... <laughs> Our water's breaking the cell. Uh, the incompetent deputy, I think we'll call him Deputy Dog. <laughs> he uh, rushes up to the hospital in a van. Uh-uh. Uh, in the car, the survivors start to realise that they have, in fact, all cheated death before. So this this is the real kind of twist, I think, in the movie itself. Yeah. Um, so basically, Malcolm Sex was a teacher. He transferred school. Yep. Two days later, his replacement was stabbed to death. The cop lost his partner when he got called out to a train accident. Uh, office hottie, she escaped a gas leak at a bed and breakfast when the bus she was on hit somebody. Mm-hmm. And it's at this point that Ali Farter realises... The person that the bus hit was Dawson Creek's bird in the first movie. Who says you can all just One, drop dead. Yeah, and then steps into the road and gets fucking demolished. <laughs> um, Phony Montana, we find out he actually witnessed Dawson's Creek's death in Paris, mm-hmm. then flew home, thus missing a show that he had tickets for where the theatre collapsed, killing everyone inside. Malcolm Sex, we find out, replaced the hot teacher in movie number one. Yep. Train wreck that the cop went to was Stifler. Yep. So they basically all had connections to the Flight 180 survivors. Uh, Kim, she was late to meet her mum because she got caught up watching a news report of Curtin's tragic bathtub slippery feet suicide. 
Uh, and while she was watching that, her mum got carjacked and shot. Uh, Ali Farber starts babbling on about this, the ripple effects of the survival, and this is why death is working backwards because he's tying up the loose ends. Fucking whatever. <laughs> um, pregnant chicken deputy that dogged their horse along in the van, narrowly missing the Scooby Gang in their van. Yep. who blow a tire. The career into a farm and crash. I like to call this the farm of death because yeah. this is amazing. Everything that happens now is fucking amazing, man. So. Yeah. There's um, there's a whole series of multiple near misses, including one where a broken plastic pipe comes through the car, mm-hmm. narrowly missing office hottie in the front seat, the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. Um... There's multiple near misses. Malcolm Sex, he has been hit and appears to have punctured a lung. And uh, the other van, pregnant chicks screaming at deputy dog just to leave them and get her to the hospital. The farm staff all rock up to help. A young teen farmer, he's trying to get off his hottie out of the car because she's trapped. I think there's a log across her legs That's or something right, yeah. like that. Uh, he nearly gets hit by a, va- a runaway van, but Phony Montana saves him. Which is important. Check off save, remember that. The van ruptures a fuel line. The fuel starts snaking towards the crash scene. Mm-hmm. A fireman's trying to free office hottie from the car. I love this. Accidentally sets off the airbag, which Fuck. slams her head onto the spike that's sticking through her fucking so chair. So fucking good. Smelling so her instantly. It's very good because it's so sudden yeah. and unexpected because you. You know something's going to happen, but I all just the thought other that deaths, was fucking genius. All the other deaths are, are are staged in a much more elaborate way. That when that one hits, yeah. it's just so matter of fact, and then it's done. Yeah, it really lands. Um, she then drops a fag from her lifeless hand, which then blows into the leaking fuel, mm-hmm. igniting it, which in turn blows up the news van. Yeah, we uh, go from the best kill in the film <laughs> to the, to the fucking. Worst one. Yeah, it's not very good. <laughs> Listen, the van blows up. A section of barbed wire fence is then blown right across the farm, perfectly in shape, slicing through Phony Montana, who's standing there all fucking heartless, slices him in three. Mm-hmm. And you get this effect, which was quite fucking. It, it was quite popular in the kind of noughties where the, the guy's just standing there. Yeah. And then slowly slides apart, kind of thing. I, I don't know if this was maybe the first time something like that had been done. I've seen did, it in countless movies. Death did, Ship was one. Yeah, when did Resident Evil come out? Because Resident Evil is the one that does it with multiple lasers. And then the... Ah, right, okay. Uh, I want to see if uh, 2000 and... Uh-huh. <laughs> Resident Evil 2002, the year before, so... Right, okay, so they ripped that off. Yeah. Uh, the three remaining survivors, they then race off to the hospital to try and get to the pregnant chick. Um, Kim gets a vision of what she thinks is a nurse trying to choke pregnant chick who's in labour. Uh, turns out Malcolm Sex is still alive. Yeah. In the same hospital. Satanic wind turns up, shuts all events disconnects the pipe from a gas canister 
he's kind of paralyzed. His life support machine then disconnects. Uh, at the same time, the cop and Kim, they see the baby being born. Yeah. And this seems to ripple through and Malcolm Sex is miraculously saved. So they all think their plan has worked. Then Kim is another fucking vision. Yeah, also, uh, let's just like take a second here to note that like at no point in Death's like grand design here has just flat out murder someone strangling someone being part of the fucking equation. So like yeah. when she gets this vision of what she thinks is strangling, like you're like that. Are we doing that now? <laughs> Yep. What happened to accidental death? Is it Apparently nice? so. <laughs> um, Ali Farter, she races off to check in Malcolm. When she enters the room, it causes a plug to pop out, which ignites the gas and blows her and Malcolm all the way to hell. Uh, and that's the last we see of fucking poor Ali Farter, I would she imagine. She is dead. And she's crispy shit. <laughs> um... Kim then somehow figures out that the vision was not her, or the vision in fact was her yeah. drowning in the van. Bloody not hands. The pregnant woman. Bloody hands. Yeah, bloody the person hands. was driving had bloody hands. Once the, once the explosion happened, she looks at her hands. Her hands are yeah. bloody. So this must. And then she takes the ultimate gamble, Baz. She puts this together she does. quick. Yeah, really rapid. Really rapid. She steals an ambulance and drives <laughs> it into the lake. Straight away. Because she's now figured out that this Kalarjian character, who she thought was the nurse, is in fact the doctor. And hopefully she can save her and bring her back from the dead, thus defeating death. It wasn't that she was being strangled, she was being resurrected, Baz. Yes. Cop dives in after her. Can't free her before she drowns. And we then see this Dr. Kalarjian bringing her back. The cycle is broken. Death has been cheated. Damn Huzzah! You. Damn you, I will get you next time, you next time, pesky kids. We pesky are kids. <laughs> um, <laughs> then, for some bizarre reason, months later, much like the Parisian scene in fucking the first one. But this one's weirder. Yeah, because the farmers have invited them for lunch. Back to the scene of the mass yeah. tragedy. Well done and not dying on our land. <laughs> I know two of your friends were killed. Viciously. But please, yeah, let, let's let's come and dine on the ground where their blood was spilled. <laughs> um, it makes sense during, in a second, though. It, makes it does, it does. Second. During the, their conversations, they mentioned that the young teen farmer had been saved by Phony Montana. Mm. We then get the look of realisation washing across Kim and the cop. And Teen Farmer wanders over to his barbecue, which promptly blows him up. And the movie ends with his arm basically landing in his ma's lap is he <laughs> at the dinner table. Surprisingly campy ending to a movie that has been surprisingly not campy. It's like a yeah. com- it's like a comical ending which doesn't quite suit the tone. Totally. It's weird. Totally. It's, I love it. I think it's a great ending because it, once again, like the spaghetti, is that thing that it happens. You see it happening in the movie, and you're like, oh, right, and then you put it to one side, and you forget about it for the next 20 minutes until it comes back, yeah. and you're like, oh, right, and then kabloom. Kaboom. So that is Final Destination 2. 
I think I mentioned uh, in the last episode um, that when I'd looked at some of the deleted scenes um, from the first movie, yep. there was a storyline that was dropped in which Ali Latter's character gets pregnant to Devin Sawar, whatever his fucking name is. Yep. Um, and this new life concept was worked into it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that was dropped from the first movie because you didn't see that at all, but they, they clearly resurrected it for this one kind yep. of thing. Annoyingly, I have just realised that I didn't check to see if there was any deleted scenes on this movie. I will say this is the so, only movie in the entire franchise that uses that new life concept, so it's dropped right. at the end of this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, I quite enjoyed this film. Yes, It Baz. has to be said. Yes. It's, it's more of the same. Right, but I think we agreed that the last one, Final Destination, was a fairly original concept for its time when it yep. came out. It, it came out there, <clears throat> and as you said, it, it was coming out at the time everything was the kind of nineties second wave of slasher movies and that, and they took a very different approach to it, which mm-hmm. worked well. So they gave us more of the same. They they flipped stuff about a bit. But as you've mentioned a couple of times, that's to be expected in a sequel. You can't literally make the same film a second time. Yeah. I quite liked the way that they worked everybody into it, tying them all back to the original characters. Mm-hmm. That was quite cool. What bugged me about that, and I didn't get this till I was thinking about it later on, if that was the case, so essentially they are the extended family, if you like, of the survivors in the first movie mm-hmm. why did Kimberly then have to have the flashback that saved everybody yeah surely death would just have rolled straight into them and started fucking wiping them it's, out it's kind of weird because I think they miss a trick in this movie in that to me what I would have done is I would have used this whole thing up the whole time of the loose ends up as an elaborate way of getting um Ali Larter's character which they ultimately yeah. do in this movie but to me that feels like it should be a really big deal and it's, and it's not... quite dumb the way they do yeah it's not it's by the by it's as if to say you're not contracted for a third movie here then yeah. so off you pop I will say that they try a similar technique in one of the later ones I won't give you any more details on that or any more context which I think is the smarter much better, actually much more well-deserved way of doing what we try and do here. But to me, that's it kind of feels like we make so many references to the first movie that to have the only survivor of that first movie like die in the most wet fart sort of way, I just kind yeah. of... Like, to me, that, that, they miss a trick with that, I think, personally. But, yeah, it's yeah, one yeah. of those things where... Like, the rules are so ambiguous and out there and this is the second one so we're still playing with what de- like even the guy that gave you death rule death's rules in the first movie has literally added new things in the second movie yeah yeah so totally. is totally. that is that we where we're just we're playing a guessing game but i'm with you i think the big thing and a final a big thing that a final destination movie needs to have is it needs to be fun yeah and this and movie, this is yeah is i mean it is absolutely yep what I liked as well was it. I mean, if you look at a franchise like fucking Wrong Turn, yeah, 
it, it pretty much jumps the shark and shits his pants in part two <laughs> and just heads downhill from there. Uh-huh. And this one does, it, it would have been easy just to go all in and jump the shark completely on this film. Yeah. And it doesn't. It actually, I mean, it, it's fairly obvious. You know, oh God, they all like that Final Destination film. Let's make another one of them. Right. Yeah. Not saying for one minute that didn't happen. It clearly did. But they managed to get it to flow mm-hmm. quite well from the first film. Um, and it doesn't take it too far. Ties it back in nicely. Mm-hmm. And wraps it up, you know, as much as you can. With a film that's clearly going to have another fucking one because you're never just going to make two. Make <laughs> well, once three you get, at the fucking once you get past that second one, you're, yeah. you're you're in with the bricks at that point because yeah. you've got a name that you can market. You know, what I mean, once totally. You, second one's usually the difficult one to get across the line, and it was successful as well. So if if, I, yeah. like, if we look at the we just look at the raw figures, Baz, because you know me, I like a I like a figure. Um, oh, that maybe some dirty stats, big man. <laughs> like, so this movie here made for a budget of, and back in the day we were just spending a lot of money on movies. Um, the budget of this movie is an estimated twenty six million, which is a lot of money by today's standards for a, like a Blumhouse movie doesn't cost more than five. Yeah. Um, so this one cost twenty six million, and grossed worldwide ninety million. Not a bad return. Yeah, so that's like that. That's seen as a success. So, like, you know, what I mean, you are gonna, like, from their position, you're gonna have another one. They're gonna make yeah. another one at that point easily. And the next one um, is like once again, it's not the one that goes 3D. That's part four. But the next one is like the like all part threes and pretty much every franchise ever. It's the one that has steroids injected into it, so it mm. is loud and bright and a ton of fun again. So, um, yeah, I'd like, I, I don't know, like to me, Final Destination Two is probably the one I've seen the most out of the lot. It's not because All it's right. the better movie. It was, it was the one I owned first, like back when like you buy X rental DVDs. Um, yeah, yeah. And this is this is one of the ones I got. So I watched this a unhealthy amount. Um, more than like Final Destination one for sure, but I like it's not the best one, but mm-hmm. it is it is one that like you see it still weirdly tries to keep a bit grounded and doesn't jump the shark too much with the the death traps, yeah, which yeah. like ultimately do become well we'll get there we will get there but uh, the the biggest issue that this one has over the first movie I think is the cast. Um, yeah, it's pretty. Bl- I, I think, obviously, I know Ali Larter, but yeah. she was in the first one. I think that when I was kind of mooching about an IMDb after my initial watch, I think the girl that plays Office Hottie was in a couple of like quite big TV shows and stuff like that. Yep. But I really couldn't have named it. I didn't even recognize most of the other ones. The young kid. Um, who you said looked in his 20s. Um, yeah. He, the same year as this, was in the first X-Men movie. Was he? Yes. Uh, no, I checked this earlier on because his face, he's not, when I was joking earlier on about he doesn't look like he, he's aged, it's because he doesn't look like he's aged. Um, right. 
and his name is James Kirk, and he's been a, he's still working, he's very, very, very busy Canadian actor, and he was in the X-Men movie in, sorry, he was in, he's in X-Men 2, uh, and his character uh. is Ronnie Drake, I don't know who Ronnie Drake is, but I will find out right now while we are chatting, because this Ronnie is what the people, Drake. this is what the people fucking love. Um, was it Pyro? Uh, no, know. Bobby Drake. Uh, it says um, <laughs> Ronnie. Ronnie Drake is what it says on the IMDb, but that might be wrong. Uh, yeah, Bobby Drake is Iceman. Oh, in the X Men. Uh, Ronnie Drake, X Men Two, is played by the same actor, and he's the younger brother of Iceman. Alright, okay. X-Men 2 is set initially mostly in the in the school, in the Xavier school, so there are quite a lot of scenes when they're evacuating kids. Yeah. Because the uh, striker and his team attacked the school. So yeah, I could see him being in that and it's yeah. quite possible you wouldn't really notice him. Maybe yeah, I don't think he was at like a, a massive prominent role, but he like the, the, a lot of them look like from flipping through a lot of them look like they are like mostly television yeah. actors and mostly of the Canadian persuasion, which would make right. sense because this right. has all the look and feel of a movie shot in Canada. So people um, getting killed the logs, mate. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I mean that's the big issue for me is I, it just doesn't have the same level of cast as the first one. Yeah. But then I look at pretty much every one of those kind of nineties new wave of slasher movies, kind of, the, and all the first movies out with something like your screen. Uh-huh. And to an extent, like a lesser extent, I know what you did last summer, which had obviously Jennifer Love Hewitt, um, and it out with. Yeah, but even her co-stars in the second one were. Oh uh, yeah, well you get a very young Jack Black, who plays. Yeah, Jack Black in the second one who plays. Oh, he's like the waiter guy on the, the, the island or something like that. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a bad role. It's a Awful. bad role. It's a bad role. Yeah, but um, and then is it like is like like some pop star is in that one as well? Some R and B star or whatever. But like yeah. like when you get to this point here, the first movie usually has a couple of names. By the time you get to the second, third instalment, the names are not there anymore. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, it lacks that. It lacks a bit of that, but not to the detriment of the movie. I think overall, no. I think it's still enjoyable. Yeah, and it is. It's, it's still a fun watch. And if you like the first one, you will like this one. You know, I really don't think you can criticise it yeah. beyond that kind of thing. Well, let's uh, let's find out exactly how much you loved it, Baz. As you know, we do Netflix grades here: one through five. One is hated it. Two is liked it. Three is really liked it. No, that's not right. One is hated it. Two is didn't like it. Three is liked it. Four is really liked it. Five is loved it. Point fives are allowed. Baz, what are you grading? Final Destination two. Um, I think I'm probably going to give it another four. Good man. Um, the first movie was a strong four. Yeah. I wouldn't say this is necessarily a strong one. It scrapes in there, but I think it's it's so similar to the first one without being shite for it. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, you know, it's, it's hard to give it a lower grade. I think I'd be kind of being a bit unfair to it to score it lower. Um, so, yeah, a four. Nice. <clears throat> I see, well, we're, we're remaining... 
relatively high here and we will see if that carries over to next week when we reach the midway point in your franchise experience Final Destination 3 What do you give it? Uh, I would give it the same I'd give it a 4 Another 4 right yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. To, like, to, yeah. to me this one I really like this one uh, like I say I, the, there's, a, there's a comfort level about this because of the sheer amount of times I've seen it like I, yeah. I sat and watched this tonight as soon as we because we arranged this relatively last minute I was like yeah. I'm going to shove the movie on I don't really have to pay attention to this one I remember I can remember who dies when they die how they die what the <laughs> caveats are what this like all that stuff so I don't have to pay full attention to it um, I did for the most part because I kind of just enjoy it it's a it's yeah. an easy and the, I give all the credit in the world to the Final Destination movies as well in that they know that their runtime should be an hour and a half and no fucking longer um, bang on like you get you get in you get it done you get out we spend no fucking time faffing around and that is a huge plus point for me um, of course we're moving into the third movie on the next episode uh, the caveat of that one if you've seen the cover artwork for the third one yet uh, no because it's a five disc set I bought so it's a kind of I will not spoil it for you but the setup is also kind of fucking amazing so we've had aeroplane We've had vehicular crash, and you now think to yourself, well, you've ruined planes for me. You've ruined roads for me. What is the next thing you could ruin for me? It's really canoe. <laughs> Chekhov's canoe. Love it. Uh, you, you're gonna, you're gonna have, you're gonna have a laugh with it uh, because it is very much. As soon as it happens, you'll be like, ah, obvious. Um, but yeah we'll be back to do that of course we're going to take one final break when we come back we'll be closing out this second episode of the five part Bazoween 2021 we'll be back to do that right after this you're listening to the podcast under the stairs you've been listening to the podcast under the stairs this has been Bazoween 2021 with another two movie reviews let the right one in and final destination 2 another episode where Baz is scoring fucking high what what's happening indeed what indeed happening here with the Baz um, we will be back with the listeners in a mere week's time next Monday and uh <laughs> We're going down a slightly more sinister tone uh, and goofy. Like, that is the juxtaposition that I love mentioning. Uh, There couldn't be any more different, the two movies we're discussing. We're going to Germany, and in Germany we'll be doing a little bit of Goodnight Mummy, and ooh, aren't we ever. And we will be doubling that up with a a little little movie called Final Destination 3, which is so over the top it's unbelievable so yeah we're psychological trauma and terror meets absolute fucking nonsense so <laughs> I can't wait um, it's, it's probably worth saying goodnight mummy that's is that one of my ones or one of your ones I want to say that's probably one of yours one of mine again yeah. yep so he only has himself to blame if he doesn't like it it's your choices bookend the whole thing so sleep tight and under the skin uh, were both in your original list and the three that were shoehorned out of the middle were the ones that I had picked feels weird that my ones are the ones about CD subject matter and your ones are the loftier 
ones. I don't know. I don't like this switch. Um, How the times have changed. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. So we're going to be back in um, one one short week's time for the third instalment, the halfway mark of this Bazoween. 2021. Before we do that, Baz, would you like to say goodbye to the listeners, please? Certainly. Um, that's another week done, folks. I hope you enjoyed this show as much as I enjoyed watching these movies and making it. Um, and we'll see you back here in seven short days. Wear something silky and see-through. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, I, don't, I can't follow that. So all that's left for me to say is whenever you are, whatever the time zone is, and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. Until next week, this is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs, and I am signing off. <laughs> I'm not the kind to kiss and tell But I've been seen with fire up I've never been with anything less than a nine So fine I've been on fire with Sally Field Gone fast with the girl named Bo But somehow they just don't end up as mine It's a death-defying life I lead I take my chances I die for living in the movies and TV But the hardest thing I ever do Is watch my leading ladies Kiss some other guy while I'm bandaging my knee I might fall from a tall building I might roll a brand new car Cause I'm the unknown stuntman That made Redford such a star I've never spent much time in school, but I taught ladies plenty. It's true, I hire my body out for pay. Hey, hey, I've gotten burned over Cheryl Teague's blown up for Rocky Welch. But when I wind up in the hay, it's only hay. Hey, hey, I might jump an open drawbridge or Tarzan from a vine. Cause I'm the unknown stuntman That makes Eastwood look so fine They'll never make me president But I got the best first ladies Some days I've got them as far as the eye can see A morning dive with Jackie Smith I crash in the night with Cheryl But in the end, they never stay with me I might fall from a tall building So Burt Reynolds don't get hurt I might leave a mighty canyon So he can kiss and flirt While that smooth talker's kissing My girl, I'm just kissing dirt Yes, I'm the lonely stuntman That made a lover out of birth